Hello, everybody listening. Welcome to Plot Armor, where we discuss how everyone makes mistakes and no one takes the blame on air. That's that's what's going to happen right now. So if you've ever wondered about why we made a certain decision, now is when we might talk about it. Or if you've been upset about something, now is when we might bring up some potential hate mail and then disregard it and not make any changes. So, I like de- I, deleted all the hate mail. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just got done clear in the cash. I like to go ahead and point out that our host um, is impersonating Drew Carey and is being played by John Swan. So, yes. Actually, it's Drew Carey playing me. Uh, so, <laughs> so, just want to make that clear. In the, uh, the straight to TV lifetime yeah. movie, <laughs> Plot Armor, a Hallmark Channel <laughs> original movie. Cool. Well, uh, you all know who I am, but I think it might be good to start going around the horn here uh, just so you can get a brief refresher if you didn't know after 28 episodes who everyone is. So uh, who wants to go first? Say so who you are, who your character is. Oh, are we nose-gozing it? A good I'll visual go, I'll go for it. I'll go for it. Okay. All right. That's Nick. So um, I'm Nick Belcher. I play Nico Ryan on the Will Save podcast here. My day job, I work as an outside salesperson, and I write the music in, in conjunction with John Swan for Will Save. That is, you can't see it, but true. I'm holding on the rock on fingers. And my night on. job, my night job, I'm Nico Ryan. Will Save at night, as the sun goes down, you become Nico Ryan. <laughs> you know, I thought I'd get like a cheers for that, but or like the love fire. is just international overwhelming right now. menace, an arms dealer, pirate. We don't know. Rapid shot. Quick fire? Quick fire. Yeah, it's quick yeah. fire. Quick fire. Speed you shooter. run around the streets of downtown Los Angeles. It's quick fire. The vigilante superhero. Fast guns. With my trench coat. With your with your <laughs> trench coat. Who's next? Swift pistol. Swift <laughs> pistol. That sounds so wrong. <laughs> it does. Especially in a trench coat. <laughs> Perhaps. Yes. Trench coat. I think Kelly, you're up. Kelly, you're up. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, in the day, I I'm a programmer. The is what I do, and it uh, it's good. <laughs> and at nighttime, when I'm tired of being a human, I become a Sheeran, whose name is Hears. That's what I do. I do like this idea that at night we all just transform into <laughs> our characters. Except we usually record as the sun's going down. Yeah. Or yeah, I actually, well, it's kind of like a, a curse, right? Record, honestly, yeah, me too. To be honest, <laughs> we did that once on a Sunday morning. That it was, was really nice, but that's just because you guys wake up early. I do not want to be recording early. I want to just like end out my day, you know. Have Except fun. you don't go to anyway. sleep until like four a.m. So just don't go to sleep that night. That's not true. I go to bed at one, then I get up at seven. It's yeah, good. It's a good healthy late, schedule. Man. Yeah, same. Yeah. <sighs> All right. I'll anyway, go. I'll go. Yeah, go uh, ahead, go. everyone. I'm Kevin. I also play Rick19, the android. Uh, by day, I am a mechanisms engineer for the, uh, the space industry. And by night, I am an android bounty hunter. I like it. Casual. We call it something else internally, but yeah, let's call it the Wait, android. android. I'm called something else internally? Oh, you mean the just, murder bot? No, that's that's a nickname given to me by Swift Pistol. <laughs> Do you have a nickname oh, internally guy? in your company? Swift Jeff? Pistol. Kelly, you got me on that one so good. I I don't currently a call or sign. Have you had a Have you had a nickname assigned to you while at work? I like a no. call sign. 
No, I've not had an official no call, call sign. That's no. No fun. Engineers don't really get call signs, I don't think. Do they? Yeah, not really. Wait, is that just like a nickname? My call sign at work is Belcher. I've, no, I've never really had a nickname either, except we talked about this once before, right? Back in high school, I was called Milky because I liked Milky. Yeah, ice. that's right. Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm Will. My turn to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's your turn. Will. Yeah, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get that enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, Will, no relation to the podcast. Garrett um, mm-hmm. is in son named after me. Just my name. We don't know. I always thought it was. We haven't gotten any cease and desist from anybody. No one save, has so. said anything. No Not lawyers yet. have called. Nope. Um, Will, who you day. play? I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By day, what do you do? <laughs> uh, by day, I'm a mild manner uh, software engineer. Software that's your role. Developer. That's your class. Aggressive emails. And- that's no, your class, no. yeah. <laughs> plus five to pass aggressive emails. Plus five to pass aggressive Plus nine to energy, plus nine to uh, speed when I drink my coffee. He yep. cross classes yep. into a 3D printer. <laughs> um, I'll just leave in the funny laugh and we'll wonder what everyone laughed at. I don't know if you guys should know this, but like anytime you say we should cut that, it doesn't get cut. I know. Yes, that's not true. I know. No. No. no Kevin is true. right. That's Kevin is almost certainly out. Right. It's not true. I'm gonna hard stop. <laughs> I do mostly cut most of the things. It must have been. We can leave the laughter. We can leave the laughter at the reaction, like, and say, unfortunately, couldn't share what we just said, but. It was oh, you just bleep it you know, all. be so much better is if like, yeah, just bleep all of Will's like, like yeah. thing about himself. Hi guys, I'm Will, and uh, but since this is thought armor, and we'll probably get to it later, but we can talk about this stuff. There is an episode where Nick was like bleep, and he bleeped himself, but then John went back and actually put him. Yeah, because Nick no, said, oh, we should bleep it. And then I put, <laughs> whenever we say, oh, we should put this in, I always put it in. And then I leave the part where we say we want to put it in. So everyone knows that <laughs> See, we're a very confusing. meta podcast. I just think we should bleep every, I just think we should bleep every time we swear anyway, because bleeps are so much funnier than the actual swear word. Itself. No, you should, you should bleep when That's we're true. not swearing. That's what it's yeah. funniest. So Will, what do you do at night? Bleep, bleep, bleep. Uh, <laughs> I, I I guess I inject pharmacological inhibitors into space lice uh, <laughs> repeatedly. And grow tentacles out of your face. And grow tentacles out of my face. And I love it. speak in a low, slow voice because my <laughs> thoughts are well constructed and... I I must act slowly. I, I can't afford not to. Can't My thoughts are considered constructed because they are literally constructed. <laughs> All right. Well, here I just want to give some expectations now that we've uh, really said nothing about what plot armor is. So I really just kind of want to set some expectations for you listeners, which is just to say that we're going to go through, walk through second by second of book one, and go through where uh, all the players can air some grievances or ask questions, and I will do my best to answer them or not. 
And we're also just going to talk about the structure of Starfinder versus some other games and just go in a little bit behind the scenes for you in case you were wondering, which is why this is a bonus episode for all you really hardcore willing people out there. Because the saved was taken. Yeah, the saved <laughs> is a term. Not not sure where it came from, but that's used, obviously. So we have to Somebody go with the willing. Somebody called about that one. Hashtag the willing. Hashtag the willing. Yes. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about the game. Starfinder. 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 And I just want to ask real quick. I want to poll our players here and anybody listening. If you have never played any TTRPG. Nope. Again, what, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Kev's never played and he's still on the podcast. So there's, you know, you can have a good time too and play. But here's the thing. If you have played and you've played more than Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, what? especially if you've played Starfinder. <laughs> well, here's the question, though. Here's the question, because we actually got started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, what is it? Two years ago? Yeah, two and a half years right. ago? Yeah, yeah I think right? so. Yeah. Quick, quick I don't remember this. scan across the room, except for Will. Uh, what have been some of the big changes that you've seen? Now that we're done with, you know, one book of Starfinder and we're pretty, you know, we're, we're solidly into our D&D campaign. What are some of the big differences that you've noticed besides in-person, virtual, all that stuff? You mean like, like as players, what has changed? Yeah. What is yeah. different like, about like, the game system as a player? Yeah. Or like, what do you like? What do you not like? Or... Yeah. Any of it. I mean, one thing to note is that like all of us as players have gotten better as players not only have you gotten better at like abiding by the rules because when you first walk into it uh, a game and this isn't to scare anybody off there are a lot of rules um but at, as you get to learn them and, and everything i feel like the, the mechanics start to be a little smoother um, well it's, it's also like learning how to find the information that you need to play it's not so yeah. much you have to learn everything all at once but um you don't need to know like starship combat you haven't even touched that um we're recording this episode. I mean, yeah, yeah. But also, we, I think what do we have to say? Nothing. I think the other half of role play games, it you know, besides the dice rolling and the rules, the other half is the role play aspect. Which again, you at home, you know, as you're playing your own games, you don't have to play as a character and do voices and stuff. But it does make it fun and it helps in you know uh, make you dive into the, the world that you're playing in. Um, That's true. And out of the out of the six of us or the five of us playing. Um, I feel like each of us has actually gotten better at doing that and about turning your character on and off and actually diving into who your character is and separating that from who you are as a player and, and just like getting into your voices and your characters. John is fantastic, by the way, as our GM, because not nice. only is he doing himself, he's doing every character that's not one of the four players. So good job, John. Um, Thanks. that's, that's, that's one of the things I want to say is like, I've, I've watched you guys grow and I know I'm the only one that has like any kind of you know, actual background in acting. Um, but it's it's great to see, you know, all of us. I did go to State Thespian Festival twice in high school. And so I've been that, in musical theater productions three times. I was in a cornflake commercial. I majored in liberal arts. Now that we've hit the cliches about theater, yeah. uh, about, you know, <laughs> liberal Kevin arts has major. actual real acting stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's go. good. It's good. I was Ebenezer Scrooge. In oh, years. that sounds like such a it fun fits role you. to play. It fits you perfectly. <laughs> really does I, I kevin's point about separating yourself from your character is so true that was the biggest transformation for me personally was being able yeah. to completely see 
what the character would do as opposed to what I would do. Love that. Yeah, so. and I think as a GM too, once you, I, I mean, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but you know, like we all, I think, are going to GM at some point, in some degree, and uh, I think once you do that and you put yourself into the the spot of multiple characters, and then you start playing out how like reactions and plots and things go, then it puts how you are a player and you develop your own central individual plot with regards to everybody else, it really starts to kind of hone things together. And I definitely agree with Kev that uh, myself, but definitely all of you have, have just like skyrocketed uh, in terms of your role playing and all of us. And it's been fun. It's been really good. It has. Any other and, challenges? Well, I was going to say here. Nick, with Nick, his character, Nico has actually evolved as well. Just in the timeline of this you know, <sighs> podcast, we've heard him go from this young, here we go. You know, here we go. <laughs> exactly. I want to hear what's this? To like this wild west oil rig owner, like, and then back to, I believe who Nico really is, uh, and I, I think it's good to see you find yourself. And yeah, <laughs> I feel like you went through a. a very... You just danced around the issue, Kev. What do you really want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I'm just, I just. I, I think I called you out at the time about your consistency. You were, it was like one week to one week. You're like you completely forgot who, what voice you were using. And you oh, went, like that you're southern like, baron voice. Dive into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. It turns out great. It's funny. It's it makes good radio. So. True, true. Yep. I'd say for me the uh, the biggest thing were the learning how the new skill checks operated um, from D anD D. That's a it's it's a bit of a departure. Uh, there's a lot more you can do from Starfinder to D anD D as far as kind of like what skill checks you can do, what you can do with those skill checks. Um, then again, it's a much more complicated world. D&D, you're primarily operating in a fantasy world where Starfinder, you're operating in a world where you have electronics, you have the computer, you have all sorts of machinations that can be used, manipulated, or blown up, or rigged for that matter. But, yep. but at the same time, like with with uh, Hears, it's there's still an aspect of magic involved and exactly. Fantasy. So, because yep. they're you're like he is a technomancer, so there's yeah the, the, the idea that you can use magic and blend it in with technology is really you know creative too. It, it, it is, and all, all it's it's just there's just so much more, and um, I think it really helped all of us starting at D and D first and getting an idea of just kind of like the play format. So that way, going into Starfinder, we at least like. Okay, so, all right, what are the departures from just the regular roll of the dice? And then we adapt. Yep. Jumping in cold feet, this game's going to be really fun. It's going to take you a little bit longer. Uh, my honest opinion on it. Love you, Paizo. Uh, you guys create a great I game. I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think if you're trying to do it like we're doing it, then maybe jumping in is hard. But, like, the one shot was super easy to jump in that we played. Oh, that's really unknown. I agree. That's true. Because they yeah, they actually like label out. They do a good job of what I like about Starfinder versus uh, other systems, be it D and D or uh, well, yeah, we'll just talk about D and D. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> the skills that you can you can flush out are, are a bit different. Um, how you can apply them, like. You can't do everything necessarily, so you you have a lot of customization and specialization that you can really make your own. 
that you adapt for your character uh, as you play. So I think that's really cool thing to apply uh, as you're building and running a campaign and yeah, well, yep, I agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, just comparing the two, I think Dungeons & Dragons does a great job of adding in a lot of customization, but there just They're isn't all, inherently yeah. a lot more the in mechanics. Starfinder. The mechanics yeah. aren't... They don't play as well, in my opinion. Oh, no, so with... Hmm. Just for, for everybody at home, like the, the D&D that we were playing was 5th edition. Yeah. Um, which Because I know yeah. there's there's a whole argument about which edition of D&D is better. 4 is obviously the best. Um, no, it's 2. 2? <laughs> 2-hit uh, two two AC but being 0 is my favorite. That's a joke. Yeah. That's satire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and is lost on everyone who doesn't know 2nd edition. Yeah. yeah. But one of, the, one of the things that I, I think I noticed the most between Dungeons & Dragons and the Pathfinder Starfinder universe is the skill checks and how they they are proportional to your level yeah where, where you don't really get skill increases uh in DD that you do in starfinder because when we get to higher levels in starfinders we're going to be rolling 40s and 50s to, yeah. in order to beat these these dcs of 40 and 50 where in DD it kind of just stays at a, a general yeah, and like i'm trying to take a feat we just completed a a book and a level and i don't know if we're going to talk about it but um, yeah, maybe on the actual show. Yeah. yeah, but you can you can boost like depending on your kind of path of what you select, you can kind of boost along the way different skills. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, a lot more ways to make your particular race theme class different than somebody else who has a very similar race theme class. You can do a lot along the way that really mm-hmm. changes that. That's really cool. Either way, both games are com- are really fun, and uh, exactly. if you haven't played, find a yeah, game, get into it. You can play customized D&D you know, campaigns and rule sets. It's not like you're limited. It's just, yeah. And I think yeah, my, and my yeah. advice for somebody who's never played is to find somebody who's been a, a, a GM before or, or who's willing to GM and then start off with a pre-made character because a lot of games have pre-generated characters. Totally. That way you're not lost yeah. in the character generation of it. You can focus on how to play the game and then later yeah. on learn how to build a character yourself. So Yeah. And then to that DM or GM, make sure that whatever adventure you run, you level them up. You level up the pre-written character yeah. in, in so much as then your players new or old get a chance to learn how to level up in that system and and just do it in like a session zero-esque way right that's what i was gonna say it's like yeah that was really helpful and for me getting a feel for the game of starfinder when we did that in our pre-game where we had our pre-gen characters we leveled them up so like i got to see like oh this is what you can do with solarians this is pretty cool yeah yeah. yeah, and then ultimately, after you've played for about a year, then you start to buy microphones and yeah, set up and start recording a podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It just happens. Yeah. It just becomes an urge. And you're just yeah. like, I just want to record it. Yeah. I got to get that stuff on. So, I mean, we love we love both D&D and Starfinder. We miss our D&D game. Uh, yeah. We don't miss it. We miss, I don't miss it. Yeah, man, you one day. You don't miss being... <laughs> I miss it. <laughs> we'll, you don't miss go. being Cade? from his mind. <laughs> Wait, what? Like what? Oh, it, D&D it is eternal. Oh yeah, yeah. It 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 is nice to play the D and D game, and there's like no microphones. Yeah. It's just us, like the game yeah. that we started playing, 
and then when you compare it's it with wild. something that you're it's recording this game i love it yeah it's good we did a lot and then of we also love our star bullshit in that too. game we really have. They got ridiculous, man. Yeah, we like, it's just one of those things. Yeah, tried to tame some wolves, and a bunch of them slipped on a bunch of ball bearings off of bridges and stuff. It was just insane. We were always trying yeah. to manipulate our enemies to fight each other instead yeah. of us. Yeah, we yeah. still do that. That, that still happens. I think you've carried that over yeah. into Starfinder. That's been a lot. Mostly uh, Rick being like, "You don't have to do this." Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've actually we missed a couple like listening back, like we've we've missed a couple opportunities to do that. But then again, it wasn't immediately obvious though either. So I mean, maybe this uh, maybe this is a good pivot for maybe our it next is. line item. But I mean, I re-listened to episode twelve. I've listened to it like three times recently because it like low key. It was probably one of the more important episodes of this book. A lot happened in there, but we'll get to that. Don't rush into episode 12. Let's start from episode one. Thank you for that silver platter segue, Nick. That was so good. Bravo. And we indeed are going to start. Bravo, Nick. Round of applause. I think we have a drop for that, right, Will? Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, we'll add it in post. It's fine. We can, we can delete the praise. I, I love you guys, but <laughs> I don't think the fans are going to really like that. Sorry, those for you driving. I don't need applause. But if you want to give it to me while you're driving or at the stoplight, please. Do yeah, please don't. Yeah, Be not safe. while driving. Be safe. Be safe always. That's our second motto. So here's the thing. This section, we're going to walk through, quote unquote, second by second. But the thing is that we're just going to hit a lot of the major highlights. And this is really for me to talk about anything that I wanted to add to answer questions you guys have or challenges you guys faced or critiques of that uh, event, that role play, that encounter, whatever it's going to be. But we're going to hit those major beats in book one. And so we're going to start with... Episode one, sorry, episode two, but also including episode one of uh, being in the docking bay and having that first encounter with Magua, who was the Kasathan that uh, Agent LaRue was talking to. So, again, if you guys are like, we don't have any thoughts about that, that was totally fine. It was fun. It was cool. Then we'll just move on. You know, like, it's fine. Well, We're not we looking should, for we problems. Each, but, so episode, episode one was the introductory where, um, and, and just for our fans to know, episode one is actually pretty well scripted we each yeah. wrote up our backstories with john the gm and so we we practiced them and rolled through well, them we were given a prompt that yeah john so i decided that we were yeah all i had like it. a very loose like set of this is kind of where you'll be and this is kind of where you'll be going and you need to come up with uh, like in your character creation, make sure you come up with reasons and then come up with a story for why you would end up at this place. And then we'll go from there. And as Kev said, very heavily scripted and edited uh, in terms of the story, sound effects, characters. Um, Even and then music. The music. The, music, the thing yeah. that, that the players didn't know was they didn't know the questioning from Agent LaRue. They didn't know the context about their story. They didn't know like you, right? 
Um, you didn't know how it was going to come up or quite when. You just knew a general order of and your story, your script. And you didn't even know each other's stories. It's not like no, we all no. were sitting in Complete one room. We, we did it. Yeah. Complete well, and, surprise. And, and that's something. So these, what we did was we, we took a, a small clip of what happened to each character prior to meeting at the docks. So I, don't, I think this is actually a really good time. Let's run through and just do a you know two to three sentence breakdown of what happened in your flashback of yes. the previous quote unquote 24 hours hour so I'll, i guess i'll start off um rick is a bounty hunter and he finds a vesk that he's tracking down and while he's fighting this vesk that he's trying to take in for the uh, android abolitionist front because he's you know presumably a slaver um he has some kind of vision blur uh, and hears things and things start going crazy in his mind and he actually accidentally shoots the Vesk and kills the Vesk um, and from that point he is told by the abolitionist front to head back to Absalom Station yep that yep. good yeah. story that flashback I I'll sort of thought for some reason your story remind, made me think that you were going through some kind of existential transformation inside or something like that I don't know why who knows I, yeah, honestly, like, I don't even know at this point. We, I worked with John. And he was like, "Oh, this is going to be great," and and we rolled with it. And but like, this is one of the things about being, you know, this is a plot armor episode. We can talk about it. Is that like uh, our stories? We don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, you know, John's in control of that. So that flashback or whatever was happening during my intro, I don't know as a player what was yeah. happening there. Oh, okay, I thought that that was your invention. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Nope. There are there are certain things and like a peek behind the GM screen. Uh, when I'm talking to y'all about like your character backstories, what I'll frequently do is like you will reach out or I'll reach out and be like, this is a cool idea. And then I'm like, is that idea a hard and fast idea or is that a like launching point for some new inspiration that's going to happen? And so then it, it helps kind of <laughs> like like it helps kind of uh, uh, what's what's the word kind of shape it to be like do you want this to happen because this is a cool thing for your character and I want the coolest things for your characters because that's the cool part about playing Starfinder is you can do super cool freaking cool stuff in freaking cool space or is it just like I think something like this might be interesting as like a launching point and then I don't want to know anything else and to be honest all of you are across the board some of you are like hey here's the bare bones stuff and uh, see you at the end let me know what happens and then some of you are like I really like this very specific thing and that would be really cool if that happened and I want to see that happen and then I'm like okay then just to be clear here are the bounds of that box and everything else that happens around the box is up to me and during those meetings you're rolling 20s to like persuade each other constantly all the time <laughs> all the time all the time that's real yeah. life negotiation right there i, I the really real suck at rolling negotiation that's that's what they don't tell you before you get into the mba program and when they do they <laughs> yeah, send yeah. you a set of they a set of dice yeah. when you're yep, competing they send you for big d20 salaries yep. in banking that's what you have to do yep Yep. Roll D20. At a certain point, it Here becomes D100. It's actually, it's actually like, it's actually like closest to the hole, really. Is it <laughs> oh, it's closest, closest to the hole. <laughs> the big secrets banks don't want you to know. <laughs> we teach you many uh, things on this podcast. The dude who puts it closest to the hole. Who puts it closest to the hole. Uh, so we had Kev and Rick on the roof. Mm -hmm. And, and I then I think next was here's goes here's right? Yeah, here's. You want to give us a brief summary? Yeah, so here's... 
meets up with an old friend of his named Rolu, um, and hears is just kind of recently, a few months ago, been kicked out of the Free Captains um, for reasons which are not known to you yet. Um, and then Rolu gives him something um, that will help him get back in. Um, but before he could really explain what it is, he's shot by an assassin sent from the Free Captains, and he dies. And then hears gets pissed, and then casts a spell on that guy, transforms him into some kind of crazy otherworldly creature, and then runs, hides, finds his note that says this is the way back in, and then a blue light comes to his eyes as he takes off the piece of paper. So the object in your hand was glowing, Yes, right? the object in the hand yeah. is uh, is like a container that has like a blue glowing thing. Cool. With uh, I have a question for this, was mm -hmm. that spell, so the spell you use Right. in that intro i mean like as as a player listening to this i was like oh my god you talk about how like his hands start to twist and mutate and and collapse almost what spell was that and do you do you actually have that spell or is this a flavor thing that actually is a spell and it's called wish yes wish oh yeah is, and that's similar to DD &D, where you can wish no, whatever you want to happen so. it's it's pretty it's been a while since I looked at it, but there was there. It does a lot. Like yeah, there's, there's a great possibility of things you can do, like across the board with it. Um, and that but, creature is an actual creature in the stars Starfinder universe yeah. as well. An actual race. Yeah, and and just for everyone at home who's like, what you use a spell that's wish and it's not the level. I'm right, right. like 99 sure that when you, that when we were talking out your story, you were like, hey, is it cool if I use a spell? And I think it's like a third party. Uh, thing so it's not official paizo but I, I like it is above board in the sense that i think it's like a very limited uh sense of wish it's not like the D, &D wish where like you just get to do anything like i want to topple that civilization i think it's like like you could actually cast it right now if you wanted to take it it wasn't like it was a huge okay because D, &D wish is like the ultimate yeah which is spell. crazy yeah i think it's more like thaumat or not thaumaturgy uh well yeah thaumaturgy what what uh ko would use a lot nick's character. Go oh, pyromancy yeah. <laughs> or pyrokinesis like or something the flames turn blue like I remember yeah that. like you have good. some like you do have control and things do change but they are temporary and or like more of an illusion mm, yeah uh, and in, in i think like pyrokinesis way, so. is like actual right yeah so it's like it had a lot that it could make happen, I guess. Like it's been a while since I looked at it, but it wasn't you couldn't do you couldn't be that powerful or deep, but you could do a lot right. of things, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't OP, yeah. 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 But that was a good story. That was a yeah, fun story. Yeah, fantastic story. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. And then as we found out later on, uh that relic that you got or that, that piece that you got from hmm. Rolo became something else. Who knew? Done, 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 done. We'll, we'll, we'll touch that later. We'll uh, get there. Next in line was actually Dr. Okay. Yes, Dr. Okay. Dr. Okay. Um, Dr. Okay's... We, we meet Dr. Okay uh, in the interrogation room. Um, under circumstances, we don't know, maybe he was asking too many questions and they just brought him in to like harass him. Or, or uh, maybe... Maybe he's wanted, and there's some some game afoot, but we don't know. Um, and I don't think Doctor Okay really knows. And so he's there because Pryor, his colleague and his mentor, research partner, um, is you know in in one of our sort of sh not shady dealings, but maybe private research together as a team. 
we are uh, dealing with these gentlemen and my colleague disappears. And so I'm in this pursuit of understanding the circumstances and the new reality that I'm now faced with. Um, and as playing it on a Sharu, um, it's like a timid, but also curious. So like kind of curiosity, killing the cat or, um, you know, biting at the apple of knowledge, um, the condition of seeking that sort of higher understanding being one's own demise is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to explore with him as a character. Hmm. So what is the, that's his motives. Nice. Just a preview. And, and I like to, I, I, I think it puts it into context when you read that Osharus really aren't solitary creatures at all. They, no. they are adverse to that in fact they they like need companionship and or at least some other person there with them and they don't travel or leave uh without, Pabak without, without each other and so yeah so the fact that you don't have dr bushtakis is and and it's like i feel personally responsible maybe mm-hmm. um because i have to i have to now uncover what's at foot because i don't like the the new realities of what it what is at stake might be everything to me because that's, that's what it is but then so back back to you know the the behind the scenes stuff. Do you have any idea what actually happened to Podakus? No. no. So that is all up to John. Dang! Wow, that's crazy. Keep listening, and you'll find out. Yeah, yeah. Mm, we're Nick like your or family, Nico. Man. Oh, sorry. Good. I was so going to say like without his slug friends, like we're all that he has. We're here for oh, you. The only we're like family now. Just don't don't it's walk like around in just the middle of battle again. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I oh, think I love you, Doctor. Okay. <laughs> Is it just me or are you guys eating at an Olive Garden when you're <laughs> your f- right? That's my <laughs> so we got to cut that. We can't use catchphrases like that. That's copyrighted. <laughs> yeah, that is copyright. Just bleep it out. Bleep 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 bleep. <laughs> All right. Last in our intros was Nico Orion. Before so, he was quick fire. <laughs> yeah, quick fire. You, know, you set the record straight on that one. Um, Slow shot. In short, Nico got voted out of his company by his own mother on a trumped up drug charge. His best friend, mentor, and bodyguard was assassinated, and Nico is on the run. Uh, what I am exploring with Nico Ryan is what happens to someone who has gotten a silver spoon his entire life and all of a sudden starts meeting adversity. How do people usually respond to that? How do they come out on the other side of that? And uh, how does it, how does it shape their outlook and, um, and their mindset? Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's also, uh, it's not really mentioned in your intro, but it definitely comes up later on is that your father has been out of the scene for a year correct and there's something definitely you know cued into that aspect of it so we'll explore that a little later too indeed yeah indeed yeah there's indeed. a lot to discover for nico for sure a lot to unpack so when you guys is there let's combine a couple of things just in the interest of time the, the first two things we have on our agenda here just like the intro fight in the docking bay uh, and that whole scene, and then you guys boarding, and then the first fight with the asteroid lice. And that's a lot to talk through, but uh, was there anything about that 
what were your thoughts about that? How did it feel to like suddenly be getting on board and then you're like tasked with fighting not only some sort of criminal fugitive you don't really know about magua and then also dealing with this uh this box and these asteroid lice from another passenger even now i have a tough time going back and listening back and understanding where the battle lines are i don't know who's friend or foe yet uh or if we even had friends or foes it it, like this whole thing is uh it's really mu- it's a it's a big mystery. Um, like I, I'm right now that first fight with that Kasathan coming up. I don't know if that was a, one of the remaining crew members just making a desperate attempt to try to escape or uh, take revenge oh. for a lost crew member. I didn't oh, think God. of that. Yeah, like, maybe he was trying to did, warn did us. Did we? Did we kill? Did we kill a hero from the very start? Yeah, someone trying to do a heroic deed. Like exactly I don't know. What I thought after re-listening. I was like, yeah. but it was it was attacking Larue, right? Yeah, but yeah. What if she's I mean, our helpful? Again. What what if she's our helpful jailer? Mm-hmm. That or what if the person thought that that person was uh, that Lozu was kind of had been shape shifted? Yeah. So here's here's the thing that, and I mean, like we're again we're on episode twenty nine at this point. We're you know. Um, and we finished book one and hopefully if you're listening to this, you've listened to all of that. The end of book one is just mind boggling. And that is me has me as a player questioning everything that's happened to us since then, including what happens on the docks. I'm, I'm trying to analyze like what, you know, the docks itself, is that just a simulation of some sort or did, are, did we actually step onto the ship and the ship was taken uh, we will talk about this all later, but like I'm just saying, I'm very uncertain about this initial fight. And you guys are talking about who's good and who's bad. Like, uh, yeah, I've got no concept. But I was trying to think about it's like what you bring that, that up because I was thinking that because of the, uh, the 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 makeup of the ship is un, unreal. It's something of like the star know, dream. Yeah, the star dream. Yeah, and we can talk about it too when we get to that last part. We I can go over a bit more again the text. Um, if you want to listen to it, but I feel like we definitely took the blue pill and we're just awakening to the matrix right now. That's kind of where I'm at. One thing I do want to highlight is that I, I think I liked that you said, Nick, that you didn't know who's good and who's bad. Cause there were also times where in episode one, you hear, you know, like agent LaRue talking to Al Giada. you see like their perception checks of Trostanek talking to, Algiata, right? They're like, uh, you see, uh, what's her name? Jin Chiroga yeah. having some sort of thing with Algiata when you listen back to episode one. And it's like, at the time, you don't know. You don't know the oh, significance that was something of that. Nick said in one of our chats was, what if Jin Chiroga is yeah. another hero? Well, let's, Quote, well, let's hero. get there when we get there. Is there anything else about the docking bay? It feels like we're kind of moving on from that, but like. Well, I was just, I was just trying to think back. Point. On, on that docking bay, like who who then follows us onto the ship? We do see Captain Ramim. Captain Ramim comes out and says, "What's going on, with my passengers?" Yeah, but was that Captain Ramim or was that already dead Captain? Ramim? Spoiler alert: Captain Ramim is dead. Well, they should know that. <laughs> I hope that they that they wouldn't know, wouldn't know that. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say anything because I'm curious what you guys think. And I think at the time we went over it, but I don't want to say anything 
Well, so, I mean, later on, we'll, um, um, at some point, uh, we talk to the imposters, and they and we find out that they had been living as these characters much earlier on, um, including at the docks. So, it's oh, yeah. we can assume that the Captain Ramin that in, that comes out of that ship during this combat or right after this combat was the imposter already, the Astrozoan. Because but then. Here's my question to follow up. Why let anybody on the passenger ship anyway? And then you tie that into what happened at the end. Like, maybe that's where the did, point. Where's the, where's, where does the simulation begin and where does it end? Like, who's real, who isn't, and what the hell is going on? <laughs> All right. So let's let's just skip skip past this. Understand that, like, we as players have no idea where the lines start to get blurry because yeah. they definitely get blurry at some point so um it's also tougher to view all these events now with this new lens that you have but that's yeah, why we're doing yeah. this right now that's that's why because you the listener are probably also like i just heard this episode and now i just want to have some more perspective because that's exactly what we're doing here is that you guys are getting the perspective now you're diving in and you go back and you listen to these episodes not saying you have to but like if you do just listen closer because it's and again talking about plot armor and like the arguments that we've had like i will i will message john right after we we record and be like what kind of bullshit you never told us this blah 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 and then john will just send me a text later on saying go back and listen to episode three at this time and i'll hear it and be like because because he's john's thought all of this through twice over and like uh, I'm mostly good at that. A couple times I miss it. We can talk about that. Yeah, but yeah. For, like but for the, yeah. But for the most part, <laughs> I like do my best to make sure everything's above board and uh, makes sense. Right? It's all about continuity. Um, so anything with that whole encounter with the asteroid lice, you first meet uh, Keith. They're friendly. You first meet Professor Benjamin, um, and then to be yeah. honest, bumping into the next thing where you're cleaning up, and then you guys overhear the conversation between Trostanek and Algiata. That 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 whole section. Any thoughts about that? Well and this and this quite came up during that episode is what was the intention of the lice in the first place? Yeah. And why why did this professor, supposedly professor, have the lice container? Wait, and who think, asked who wait, hold on. Who asked us to clean that up? I think it was just circumstance. I mean uh, yes, I think Song came out and said that they needed to get this whole gal like uh, gal set up for food. And I think we and offered then to Song. help. And then I, I think Rick Rick was like, "I'll take care of this." Yeah, and, and then, then Song was like, "Can you guys me. help real quick?" Like the incinerators just or no, Keeve Keeve. Sorry, was like, "Can you help?" How exactly when did, did they get released again? I'm trying to yeah. remember the lace. They got released because uh, Keeve was. Professor Benjamin was showing you the cube right. being like, look, there are these little tiny bugs in there. Apparently it's like a it shrinks things into this tiny cube and then handed it to Keeve. And then Keeve was like, actually, uh, Professor, uh, I don't know quite about that. And the professor got a little flustered and was like, was like, I don't really know that like Keeve was implying that he got uh, kind of duped here and, and that was they were actually skin. giant lice that they right. were right. just and then, you know, fleas inside of a thing. And, and then, then what and then Benjamin was like, I'll show you. Like no, they yeah. dropped it, and it when it mm. broke. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: I'm not going to confirm or deny, but I'm just going to say in general, it was written as like Professor Benjamin kind of reaches over to take it, and then it falls. Uh, I don't know, man. And so it, it or yeah. Keith yeah, threw he, it on the floor and broke it. 
Well, choose that were Benja, like <laughs> where Benja knew what the hell he was doing. I mean, he was hiding the fact. The obvious thing for uh, Hears and Nico at this point is that if, yeah. the last episode he was he's a, a pirate. damn pirate. So then, like, I mean, I don't know. He's he's up to no good. <laughs> oh, no, he's a Pokemon I'm just, master. I'm so, uh, he was like, I Benjamin. choose you, Astro Lice. Silly oh, me, that's I it. He's a Pokemon master. He oh, had just the, come from beating the gym. So he's a pirate Pokemon master. Oh man, he just died pirate right Pokemon after Pokemon master. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight off of Team Rocket. I don't know. I don't buy his story <laughs> necessarily. Oh, the okay. pirate oh, okay. thing though—that'll come up much later. Yeah, yeah, I will. Well, it was actually around this time uh, between you, you guys over here in the conversation when you came back. That's when Hears and Nico were first singing "Take It or Leave It." That's yeah, when you guys oh, were yeah, kind of that, bonding like, over I'm that, mad right? About that. <laughs> why are you mad? Yeah. You were mad about it. I was so confused. I was like, "Why are you two singing? What do you? How do you know each other?" <laughs> so again, uh, just for the listeners, like when you're listening to that episode, uh, Doctor Okay, Will and, and Kevin, Rick, you know, the four of us, because there's only two of us, anyways. Um, the two of our, our our players went off separately, and we actually made uh, Kelly and Nick take off their headphones so they yeah. could not hear what we were doing. Uh, during that case and then when we got back the two of them were singing the song together in unison and i didn't know i had no idea if, when did you guys plan that is this something you guys been working on or okay. was that was while it working we were gone? while we were gone oh no so we'd had that plan uh, kelly i think we'd had that plan for like six weeks yeah yeah and then oh, we yeah. were just waiting for the like, right time and yep. that worked that was the right time interesting that was yeah. the right time yep <laughs> And so there's more where that wild. came from. There's more where that came from. So and, it's and good. so like for the, for the listener, yeah, like um, I, as players, we had no idea what was going on and the connection that those two characters had. So yeah, yeah. and I definitely think uh, to any GMs out there or players, if you have a cool idea, one, let your GM know, or two, try and rope in another player. Try and be like, hey, I have this cool idea. Uh, do you want to work on it with me? And then we can surprise the other players because mm-hmm. then it just helps make it all, helps bring it all together. It's well, and it, and it definitely, it changes the team dynamic because at that point, like if we're just four strangers and we're trying to find a reason to be like united. Yeah. Um, it actually, it was kind of great too. Cause it, it, for a minute in the early episodes, I feel like it made uh, Rick and Dr. Okay sort of like, the rational like we we have this secret together <laughs> that we have to like figure out like yeah and then on the, and other, you guys the other hand bonded over your th- like being together in your own way which was cool too which like mm-hmm. we created a, a dynamic yeah it was and it, you know i like but no, I, I couldn't agree with John more. And I think it's one of the biggest things that I've learned uh, during this playthrough is just involving your fellow players in their storyline. So I think one of the biggest traps, and I fall into this trap in our D&D game, I think a lot of times, and it's like hashtag paladin moment, but um, you try to make yourself the central hero and you're just one person amongst the party and you're just trying to figure out your character's crap amongst everything else that's going on. And uh, you try to involve your your fellow castmates as much as possible to figure that out. Yep. And the more you do that, the more interesting the story gets, the more kind of WTF moments you find as you play through. And that's where it really gets fun and interesting. Because I can tell you one thing, like I did not expect John to make 
uh, Keeve seeing Taker to leave it. Like, that was like, what? And it shocked Kelly. Yeah. It shocked Kelly more than it shocked me, but it still shocked me. I was like, whoa. Like, Wait, I, I didn't even know. I, I don't remember Professor Benjamin. No, sorry. Do Professor Benjamin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah, Professor Benjamin. Yeah. And we yeah, haven't yeah. talked about this yet because that comes yeah. much later mm-hmm. on. Because yeah. I was, again, and this is, you know, the player separation. Will and I still don't know what your guys' connection is to that song. And so when the song came up, it was actually uh, Doctor uh, Professor Benjamin told me as Rick that song and i and i shouted it back down the hallway and and i didn't know what he was saying and then you guys were like oh wait a minute and i was like damn it this is another pirate (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i I love it i love the dynamic that's coming from that and i think something that i've seen in a lot of like uh chats on your twitter and whatever um is the debate of like whether or not to play a low-level character and i think that's one of the, the best things about playing one of the best arguments about playing a low-level character like level one is that the game is not developed enough like it's not all combat yet it's not all yeah. skill it is it is character development and exactly. that's something that you know i, I hope yep. as listeners that you guys are appreciating that because as players that's what we appreciate and that's what we're learning with from ourselves and from each other of who we are as as our character and then who is our character in this scheme of things. Yep. Um, and and the more. scheme of things on this damn ship. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of scheme of things, yeah, I mean, you, I, I think it was that conversation where you first were like, hold on, there's some, there's something more than just the first docking bay incident and then the asteroid lights. There's like s- some larger structure here. And then when you I didn't all have that up, clue. I didn't have that idea yet. Rick Rick was still in the mindset of like these these are two like disconnected situations. Yeah, interesting. interesting. And now that we now we're going back and thinking about it like wait, are they connected? You know, is there is are these all on purpose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should have a drop for Bohemian Rhapsody right now. Is this the real life or is this just fantasy? <laughs> so so after after the Astrolice, Dr. OK and Rick went down to help move the, the lice bodies into the incinerator with Keeve. Yeah. Um, and then Keeve left us. And on the way back, we overheard Algiata and Trostanek the Vesk. So Algiata is the ship's security officer. Yep. Um, which we have not seen at this point, or we like we were introduced to her at one point. We saw her uh, outside she was, the docking bay, I thought. Okay. She was checking people in. Okay. But did she what did she do a- during that docking bay fight? anything uh she shot she was attacking magua and okay. there was an incident like i said in the beginning where she looked at trostanek and there was a little thing with trostanek then there was something else with jen Chiroga. um and then there was also she talked to agent larue yeah and so yeah she was part of episode one she was so, there. and then the, the conversation that we heard between trostanek uh and and aljana will do you want to say what happened I don't remember for like uh, I mean it, it was, was pretty like, much just that yeah, yeah good you can she basically it yeah uh basically it was like we'll have to stick to the plan and then they were like well if we stick to the plan this might happen and then they saw you and they're like oh, okay cool hold on hold on yeah they but were again, clearly being shady <laughs> very shady yes. very shady and this is the yes. ships this the ship the ships uh, security officer doing that and that was very incredibly creepy and in the meantime uh, Nick and Kelly were both back at the the lounge the cruise cruise quarters or the the galley or whatever you want to call it cruise mess having some drinks and having a good time and singing their 
sea shanties. Yep. Yep. So after that whole fun shenanigans, you guys fall asleep and then you wake up and there's some stuff going down in the hallway with Jinchiroga and the goblins. And I think you had previously seen them be hella messy in the in the galley the night before and then just didn't clean anything up and that's why song is in the hallway being like hold on you can't come in here if you're going to be that messy again and they're about to have an altercation and you guys come out uh and then that's when lozu kind of comes up and says like hold on hold on hold on have you guys seen algiata yeah here is my thing about jinjiroga this is where we fight here's my whole thing about jinjiroga in general if jinjiroga and the new bloods we're in the galley, albeit being rowdy. Why on earth would they be part of the original pirate crew to take over the ship? They didn't act until after the power went out. In which mm. case, they weren't any different from us in their course of action. They just had mm, less seemly characters in general. And, um, and that, even that's debatable. You're opportunity, and so they saw it? But they could also have been a helpful distraction. That's that. It, it was either one or the other, or option three. Maybe they were like, "Okay, we have a job to do. This ship is off course. Something's going on. We're taking control of the bridge, and we're going to take the ship wherever we need to go." Uh, so you're saying that should have happened sooner? Then. No, no, no. I'm saying that Jinjiroga and the New Bloods were acting as well. Basically, rowdy mercenaries that didn't give a crap. And then when danger was presented upon them, they did what mercenaries did, took control of the situation and intended to rectify what was going on. They probably would have demanded a healthy fee from everybody else. Not much different from pirates, but I mean, they weren't much different in their course of action. They didn't take action until after danger had been thrust upon the whole occupants of the quote-unquote ship. So... I'm not super confused at all, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get what you're saying. It's, um, it's hard to know though. I mean, if they're, if this whoever's planning this out is masterful enough, like they could have spent a distraction. Yeah, it could have been. I just, I just don't see it, man. I like, yeah. I think they were there. I think they were a separate player entirely. I think we had the pirates taking over the ship. I think we had the original crewmates I think we had the fake crewmates and that were part of the pirates and then I think we have us and then Jinjiroga actually in the I'm, new well, bloods I'm, I, I was just gonna say like I'm I'm I agree with you because I there's no reason to be suicidal anyway otherwise so and then yeah yeah it makes sense that someone might be trying to stop this um from going on but so. at the same time you got to think like you talk about like the the original crew the the imposter crew we'll talk about all this later but like you like lozu is a part of the quote-unquote original crew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we and actually this happens sooner than later but she starts acting funny where she goes blank and you know mm-hmm. so if you're talking about like greater scheme of things who knows where that again like where is that line drawn like, are all of these players, are we the only four on this ship that are actual people? Yeah, right. And or- Exactly. And to follow that up, Kev, the, I find even the name of the ship, the Star Dream, very suspect. Almost as though it's a name of a program, much less of a ship. Well, 
to be clear, the name of the ship you got on is the Chimera. The name of the panel that you saw in the hallway is Star Dream 2. Which is what the goblins were looking for, because we find later on, and, and this is skipping ahead, but we find their map of locations that they were trying to find, and all the locations they were trying to find were places where we found Star Dream indicators. Am I wrong? I don't I don't remember that. Who are you asking? <laughs> that's, that's mostly to John. But uh, that, I'm going to hard pass on that one. I'm going to hard uh, pass on that one. Uh, yeah. Here's a question. How did it feel? The the whole encounter with... Once you find out that Algiad is missing and the power goes out and you're like, shit, we're stranded in the drift. And then Professor Benjamin's like, hang on, come here. How did that... How was that? Because I think that's the first time that you also are like, okay... There's some like now we have multiple layers here, and uh, yeah. Were there any specific thoughts on that? Do you feel good about that? Do you feel bad yeah, about Kelly, it? Yeah, Kelly. What were your thoughts on that situation when the professor told us about the relic? And oh yeah. All right. Uh, hold on. One more. Please repeat it. I was typing something in the chat. Sorry. Uh, after up? the lights went out. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts when Professor Benjamin just... pulled us into the room yes. and talked to us individually? when he was talking about the existence of the relic and stuff. And he asked us to go find it. Well, I mean, are you asking, like, was here is like, hell yeah? Because, yeah, he was. He was like, hell yeah. I'll like, say this. I'll say I, that I think... Yeah. Good, good, good. I was just... I, I didn't... Uh, sorry if I didn't understand the question, but yeah, that's... I mean, here's is excited, and... I mean... The prospect of a well, relic he, is uh, a curiosity for anyone, frankly, even a scientist uh, such as myself, I would imagine. So we, uh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Anyway, all right, got it, cool. So basically, the thing, what's going through Here's head with the relic in general is, one, relics are awesome, and Here's, um does like uh, to acquire lots of cool things, being a pirate and just liking money and, and cool things in general. But also, he thinks that this might be related, potentially, to what his friend gave him, of course. Mm. So this could be yep. his ticket back in, so, yeah. I'll say that and we can cut this if you want, Nick. But the reason why this episode is called Plot Armor is because uh, Nick had asked a bunch <laughs> of questions of Professor Benjamin and was like, tell me everything you know. And Professor Benjamin didn't. And so on one hand, I think uh, this is some insight from some GM insight in that like this book, there are moments where like there's not plot armor. Uh, but there are just things that like as a GM, like you just have to get comfortable with. And this was just one of those moments. And, uh, if you're going to GM it, message me privately and we'll talk about it. But I think overall, I could have maybe done a little bit of a better job, uh, giving you guys, because I, I kind of played it a little bit like, all right, uh, is anybody going to help? No. Okay, cool. I think I could have maybe done a couple things to ease that transition a bit better. But overall, I think. It was interesting because this was the first time where you guys were like, tell me something, and you just hit a wall. You're like, I can't get any more information here. Um, <laughs> it and was that's okay. frustrating. So- it was very frustrating. I remember I was rolling really high <laughs> on all my diplomacy checks. I was asking good questions, and I was just getting stonewalled. And I was just like, it, it came to the point where I felt very specifically 
John what doesn't want us to know this right now because it will reveal too much of the story. This person, this moment has plot armor. Which that's, I mean, that's technically not the definition of plot armor though. Plot armor is usually when, is, is when something is, is like nerfed for that reason. Yeah. Where this, this encounter was just not ever meant to go that far. This, this person, this person's responses were armored. John. Uh, so we're, we're, we're what, Nick? Armored. He's we're like, armored. Armored. Um, you know, this person, Professor Benjamin, one, you guys never followed up, and we'll talk about this later. Uh, there was a they picture. All, they all died before we got back to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. Uh, but the point is, is that, like, there are plenty of things that could have explained a lot. And there are still things, what I like about this AP as a whole and about this book too, is that there are things that are just not answered yet. And I think Ooh, in time- They're all Astrozoans. <laughs> we'll find the real Professor Benjamin later on. We're Astrozoans I think it's too, too linear. It's too linear for this. Bunch of malarkey if you ask me, but okay. Yeah, it's a- once once we get to that point and I can say what's up, then I think it'll make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll see that there was nothing there where I was like, you shouldn't be there. Because as a GM, you should never have something like, it's your story in the sense that like I should never keep you from it. And I really have tried to not intentionally do that. Like There would have been nothing wrong. And even if you saw some of the mistakes that I made, you'd be like, oh, that's not technically what the book says, but like this happened and then things just go on. So uh, I mean, I, I like I understand that I, I really do. It felt in that moment that that's where it was, and I get it. But it yeah. Also, it, this is coming from the same person that called pirates from the very beginning when the power went true. out. Like, that's true. You said pirates to, to say to say that this is just everybody's going to be an Astrozoan. Like the only way I could see that happening, Kevin, is if this whole ship, this whole thing is a program run by Astrozoans and some of them that's, are getting That's what things. I mean. Yeah, yeah. That would be I, the only way I can see that. Well, we'll, we'll let's not skip too far ahead, but like let's I let's think the pirates are part, were a part of this this whole scheme. And and I'll, I'll give you my reasons for that later. So back Nick, to can the I, conversation Can I, with can I say, Nick, I apologize as, as a DM for not for not making the transition from you feeling like it's it's protected material, which it was not, mm. uh, to not be that way. That's all that I have to say about that. Because that's the one thing that I could have changed. John, anyway, when you're Kelly, dealing your with that, like, do you, um, like, do you just set their like their check or not their check? Do you just set like? Do we just have to roll something incredible in order to get that information, or are there things that are just truly no. impenetrable, like from the story, like where it's like no matter how high you roll, I'm not going to reveal this, or something like that? No, I'm always gonna, and I think this is a good thing to do as a GM. Uh, there are always at least three different ways that you can find out some sort of clue, and I always try and go out almost down to the level of every room that you're in or every encounter, there are some potential clues about something. And I know that overall, there could be unrelated clues that I need to pull in because you guys just didn't ask that, you didn't roll high enough. And there were times, I think, Nick, where you rolled and I told you, you were off. That does, But I'm never gonna like, I'm never gonna lock something behind one dice DC wall. I'm never gonna do that. Like, if there's a chance to find it again, and I feel it's important for you guys to know, uh, or frankly, just to know in general, because I don't know what, what how you guys are interpreting it, I'm gonna try and make all that information available to you. Um, 
part, I will say that part of the reason why you guys didn't find out more was because you never went back to talk to Professor Benjamin. Which I regret. That's also partly because of what, sorry? I just say I regret it. We never I really had so the opportunity. I'd love to ask him, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's true too. You didn't have the opportunity, but you could have also decided to. Like you never also went to check on Keith. We didn't have time. <laughs> we never had time. So, and that's and rolling back into the story where we were. So after that, Professor Benjamin said, "Please go find the relic and protect it." Technically, Bring- Professor Benjamin said, "Please find out why Algiada is disappeared." That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Professor Benjamin said, "Find out, Captain." Uh, but then he mentioned the the relic, and the pirates in the group were like, "Ooh, relic money!" Um, <laughs> and so we went in search of this relic, yeah. which we were told was in the cargo bay. This is another point that came up several times. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is, this I'll, is I'll just a go sticky this real fast. issue. Did yeah. we mention one it's or two guys? Spoiler. Who knows? Spoiler. No, no. Well, okay. So we went on, I think all four of us went on believing there was only one cargo bay yeah. for the next 25 episodes. Yes. And when it finally broke down that there is a second cargo bay where the relic actually was, I went back and listened to the early episodes. And sure enough, John did tell us the starboard cargo bay very good and that there are two cargo bays. implying that there's a port cargo bay he uh, mumbles it he mumbles it as we're walking away again <laughs> I, I think mumbles it yes like begrudgingly I did not mean to mumble it the poop no there's a port cargo bay I like I said I genuinely am not trying to keep it from you if you guys had gone into that cargo bay I'm not going to say what would have happened but it would not have been an issue like uh, like if I could just show you that there would have been no reason to do it then you would understand but yeah I'm not trying to keep anything behind a, a wall that's probably honestly it's probably just like I had a bunch of things in my head and then I'm like oh I should uh, like let me clarify that for them and then move on so that's just but a he genuine. Does, it's Song who actually mistake. says the starboard cargo bay is this way. Yep. During episode like seven or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Six um, or seven. It was so insane. That's my bad. Again, I I think those two things of the whole thing are what I apologize the most for the Professor Benjamin thing and the car and the cargo bay thing. But but that being said, we were told to go to the cargo bay. We go to starboard the cargo, cargo bay. bay. Starboard cargo bay. The cargo bay. <laughs> starboard. <laughs> the cargo bay. The cargo bay. <laughs> the starboard cargo bay. We're gonna get you uh, a T-shirt, John, that just says starboard cargo bay. <laughs> I would cargo bay love that. That would be great. That, that would be great. Yeah. Um, the GM yeah. is stored in the starboard cargo cargo bay. Cargo bay. And in <laughs> that cargo bay, the only cargo bay, we find nope. Trusnack on the ground, and we find a robot, a giant non-killer killer robot, mm. uh, a hugbot. And it attacks us, and we attack back, and yep. we defeat it. And then we proceed to interrogate Trusnik, who was unconscious on the ground in that room. And this is another contingency that John had with us uh, as players. We decided to handcuff and and contain Trusnik for being suspicious in one of the cargo boxes. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think that is ultimately totally fine. I thought it was. I'm sorry that I said anything, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I think the reaction that Lozu then has in the subsequent episode, which is like, you were just judge, jury, and executioner in a way. Uh, just I, I need you to be to like exhibit a little more discretion when you do that because 
Trostenek is another passenger, and I get that, and I appreciate it, and I'm glad you're okay. But well, and, you need and to just, just cool since this bit. is the plot armor episode, we can talk about it. Is that like Rick was right in being suspicious? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, yes. Now that you know that, now that you know that, yes. But Kev, here's where I think we took a little bit too much from our D and D game. In our D&D game, we are licensed to do whatever we think is necessary to rectify the situation. No one invited us to do anything. Yeah, but who gives a damn? I'm looking out for myself and my party way more than the people who can't even run a damn ship. We got attacked multiple times at that point. Screw them. I don't want to get attacked again, ever. As As a character, I agree with you. As a player... There was a fine difference here, and I think John did a good job reacting as an NPC. The NPC reaction was good. I'll say, I'll say it was that his. I don't, it I don't was, fully it was agree his with the NPC robot too. That was it's it's very suspect to me because and I I think the circumstances deserved further inspection and more scrutiny from an authority figure given the situation. Citizens arrest. And here's my thing with so like, and I'm not criticizing John because I, I I know you have a ton on your mind when you're doing these kind of things, but I do think Lozu, if this were happening on an actual cruise ship, if there were you know passengers acting crazy and other passengers subdued them and locked them into like a closet or something, <laughs> the first response wouldn't be why did you lock them in the closet? It would be wait you said what did they do to us? Mm-hmm. And and then and then treat everybody accordingly. That's also fair. Uh, maybe it could have been. Maybe, maybe it was more so that like you were talking to Trostenek and Trostenek never attacked you. The robot attacked you, and then you were like, Trostenek sicked the robot on us. But Trostenek was like, I didn't sick the robot on you. I came in here, yeah. and that's my but question is, is suspicious. That. She didn't have that in her mind. I think I thought that you guys had told her that, but maybe you didn't. That's fine. Um, but the question is, how do you feel now about Trostenek's story? Now knowing that Trostenek is an Astrozoan. What Trostenek said, what do you think actually happened? What I feel now looking back on that part, I feel like Trostenek was one of the few actual real people left in that simulation, whatever it is. No, he was yeah. an Astrozoan the, the whole time. He was the whole time. No, we, no, we no. That. Well, we knew that he had been taken over by an Astrozoan. But yes, maybe he'd been taken over by an Astrozoan at some point before the ship even t- left the dock. So let because- me. Let me we later find the the letter that indicates that Trusnick is a real, you know, Vesk, and he has a family, and that's what that letter represents. But the Astrozoan that's taken over do, probably doesn't know that kind of stuff or doesn't care. Uh, what I think happened with the robot is that the robot or the Astrozoan Trusnick was trying to activate the robot for whatever reason, and it backfired, and that's why it knocked him unconscious. You waiting on me to confirm or deny that? No, I think he's. I think, I think he's, he's waiting for that. It. I think he's. I think he's waiting it. for it to settle. I think. Well, think, of, think, think about that. The like, Astrozoan staged it. In yeah, order I agree. To get closer to the relic somehow. Or, I can, or to yeah. like to either like sick the robot out on us and maybe the rest of the ship in order to like secure the relic or some other fiendish plan. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, John. Tell us what you th- what you're gonna what you're able to tell us without. I will say that Trostenek's motiv- motivations, knowing now that you know that Trostenek, uh before boarding, right, like the Trostenek that you saw on board, 
like was like more than likely an Astrozoan, right? Because that was confirmed by the Astrozoans later, right? Because they talked about the plans they had previously before arriving at Legacy Station and before meeting with you guys in flight, then or in the stranded in the drift. Um, Trostenek's plan going in there was to set up the, as Will said, to stage it so then that way it looked like he was being attacked by the droid because he wanted to pull attention from anything having to do and so then he was like maybe Algiata did it and sabotaged my own droid uh maybe that was something that that totally kind of like it it was definitely not my fault right was that a lie like that he constructed what do you mean is that a lie that he constructed like was he actually incapacitated never mind he was incapacitated like he was definitely okay. yes he was actually incapacitated he so took something the punch. went awry yeah yeah, or, well, I'll say that his point was to set it up and to be staged so then that way that could happen. And then he was knocked unconscious. He's really committed. Yeah. Really committed. <laughs> really committed. Really, <laughs> committed. <laughs> really committed. But we were still but Nick, suspicious. you look frustrated. What, what was your frustration? I, for, I, I forget my question here. I'm just, there's just, we just don't know. We, we don't know anything. Um, we just don't know. Question, what do you guys think about everything that happened afterwards? You saw Lozu in the hallway, and Lozu was standing completely still. Creepiest and then you moment. go up, you kind of get the A-OK to go up to Algiata's room and to go check on Keeve, and you go up to Algiata's room. And along the way, you find that panel that's the Stargrim too. Knowing what I, we know now, I feel like, and, and this kind of links back to the last episode where Lozu just collapsed for no reason lifeless um it kind of seemed like whatever program or being or construct that was inside that station or inside that ship with us hadn't received orders or was receiving new programming to give us something we were set up out. yeah it was we glitching were, out yeah we were set up with that key card and what's more we were set up to go to algiata's room well, and this Those is what I was talking about earlier. Is, is so Lozu, Lozu standing perfectly still in that hallway was our first indication of a faulty program. That whatever's going on on this ship, whoever is running this game on us, that was the first time we saw a glitch. And um, but we that's not the, the last time. Um, no, no. And so yeah, Lozu at the end, you know, freezes and dies in the same manner. She just stops functioning essentially. It turns off. Nick, I can say that. When you said that you were set up with a key card, what do you mean? We were set up to go to Algiata's room. Like, it's like, um, oh gosh, what's the best way to say it? Lozu, the program. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to stick with for now because it's the best. It's like very, yeah, very Westworld. Yeah. Lozu, style. the program, didn't <laughs> know what was going to happen, but whoever whoever's running this maze knew what was going to happen. So we were given the card with the game master's expectation that we opened that door and we were going to get shot. Specifically, me, I was going to get shot. But well, it's funny because like John's the one running this show. Well, well but I'm not like, John's like, Nash like, Zone, guys. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> Shoot him! Uh, I open fire. I think the biggest thing is that I, like I said, with the clues, and you asked earlier, Kelly, and I said I'm never going to put a clue behind a wall. Uh, I, I'm, I'm also never going to put an opportunity 
behind something else. So anytime you guys receive something like that, it's like, it's just another way for me to let you guys know like, hey, you have a lot of opportunities here. You have a lot of things that you can do, uh, whatever you guys wanna do, do it. But here's another thing to give you another opportunity. So one opportunity we would have had at this point, so we got, so uh, uh, Lozu glitches out. Yep. She gives us the key card after a pretty heated argument between us and the GM. Um, and then uh, after that, we head straight to Algiada's room. This is one of those opportunities we had to go talk to Keith, Professor Benjamin. Oh, Keith, Professor Benjamin. Yeah. So, do you want to know more about that? Because I if feel you're like that's... To tell us. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> I'll tell you. Let me start with Keith. So you guys did have an opportunity to go help Keith out with the engines, and I can just give you a peek and to say that one of the things that had happened, without getting into Keith's responsibility. Uh, then going to help with the engines, the Astrozoans, right, might have been part of the reason why the engines were stranded, right? That was the whole thing, why their ship met up with you in the drift, right? That's why they boarded, was because your ship was now, was now stranded. So part, so one of the things that, that happened was that they sabotaged part of the engines. And as part of it, they sabotaged some of the things that Kiev was working on. So one of the things that, that would have happened is that if you had gone to work and help Kiev out, there would have been something that happened that would have, uh, there would have been like an incident, like a misfire, like some fire shoots out and stuff that would have caused you guys to wonder, oh, like did Kiev just try and kill us? Oh, right? Because it's part of it's, it's part of the thing that, that the Astrozoans want because they stranded the ship and then they've set these things because they want to make sure that the ship stays stranded so they can board okay so no matter what though i think we're all of the mind here that we were inside of a glitchy program so if that's the lens we're viewing it at then we need to count all the glitches and all the the last words of the astrozoans and then those are really the only real clues that we have to go and operate it off of if we're playing detective on this um, let me put this, I'm trying to think of saying the best thing. <laughs> How do I say this? I, I think this one thing that I say, cause I'm, I'm trying to be very hesitant with how much I say. Cause again, I, I like the mystery and the story yeah. is important. What? Cause we're still playing, you know? Yeah. Cause we're still playing. You guys are still going through it. I'll say this one last thing, which is probably the biggest thing that I'll say in this episode, which is just that. Because I'm not going to say too much more about Professor Benjamin and what happened and everything, other than the fact that you found that picture of him and somebody who looked like Algiada in Algiada's room, right? And you never, you, you never got a chance to ask him about that picture, right? And say what's going on with that picture. And uh, I can just say in general that that picture was part of the reason why he was asking you to ask after Algiada. Because he has a because he had a personal connection to Algiada, and I won't go into anything else too much more. But this is kind of water; it's it's water under the bridge because you didn't get a chance to ask him. But that's part of his motivation. But I encourage you to maybe include in your thinking because now you're you're taking inventory of the glitches, as Nick said. You're taking inventory of what the Astrozoan said. You're taking inventory of like, well, what was real and what wasn't real. And I'll just give you one little thing, which is to say, you should think about the way that Professor Benjamin responded in your first encounter with him in his room, where he asked you to go look after Algiada. You should start to reframe that as less of a, like, I wouldn't tell you stuff 
and you should reframe it more as a glitch. And this like brings us that information wasn't there. That's and, all. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. But there was stuff that I had prepared in case you guys wanted to delve more into that than just talking or whatever. It's like there there was an opportunity for you there, and then you never got a chance to go talk back with him. So I had prepared some other stuff because I said, well, you didn't get a chance to really fully go there. So I said, well, if you talk to him again, you will have a chance to fully go there. So I'm giving you that because I want you guys to start to reframe a little bit some of the things without taking away the enjoyment of playing. Plot armor's got plot armor. Plot armor really isn't <laughs> plot armor here. Well, That's what it is. That's what. Yeah, John has to protect the plot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there are just other things that are that have still yet to happen. And like I said, things have continuity in this AP. Everything carries forward. So that's how i'm viewing telling you things is because i'm like when i'm when i tell you things it's because they have connections forward right that that's all right after that weirdness with with lozu uh we head up to aljada's room yeah and on the way there dr okay notices the star dream panel that's the first indication that we got that the ship that we're on is not necessarily the ship we think it is and nick actually called it out and said the chimera a chimera is a mythological creature that consumes other creatures and takes on characteristics of the creatures they consume. I don't think I said that, but if you, you want to give me credit said, for it, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was you it. that during that that episode you were like the ship's called the chimera, and then John was like, yeah. But uh, yeah, yep. so we we know then that the Star Dream that this ship used to be the Star Dream. We did some checks on it that that the Star Dream was a ship that existed, but it disappeared 30 years ago or something. Yep. Um, and then we get to Aljada's room. And when we open that door, Nick gets shot from a cryo rifle. That is... That was cold. Before we go on... That was cold. That was very cold. That was cold. Uh, Before we go on, real thing, do you guys want a little cool little connection easter egg yeah sure oh yeah okay okay uh roll a d20 one person roll one d20 i got right. this one okay right, will's, got got it. It. will's got it will's got it will will has got it if you get above 10 i'm gonna tell you if you get below i'm not gonna tell you oh man look at this thing take oh, take your will background has... off so you can see this it's just a, it's a tiny little gray skull oh i thought it was a chunk d20 like <laughs> D twenty no. this big. <laughs> this. Oh, okay, okay. That's cool. I like it. Nice. I love it. Roll it. What do you get? Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. Good. Good. Okay. Uh, I'll frame it this way. Uh, you should think about when you go back and listen to episode one. If you go back and listen to it, listeners included, um, there are certain decorations in the docking bay that are important to <gasps> listen to. What? You're talking about like in the very beginning in your intro when you're just describing yeah. the scene? Yeah. There are, what those, the F, John? Those, those will play a part in things we have just recently talked about. What the F, John? That's awesome. I think okay. I know what, the what this is. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, man. you guys, uh, Nick got shot. Nick got shot. with this cold thing then then you guys find i think your first like treasure trove of clues in algiata's room you find the ledger well first we fight with graph for no reason no that uh, was afterwards that was we, me that was, that was me. afterwards and that was after you find the ledger the picture and oh, algiata's data right. pad where you realize that she possibly had some sort of scheme where captain ramim was going to be 
was whose life was in danger upon return to the packed worlds. And no reason. And I will. And just my peek behind a little prologue for book two for Nico is was that for no reason uh, when he got mad at Graf? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I see. Well, that's, and that's and here's another question without like the Algiata ledger. Um, was that Algiata that had an issue with Ramim? Because we know now that Algiata has been a uh, plant, an Astrozoan, for at least you know this trip, um, and then Captain Marimim we didn't really get to talk to. We'll talk about that later. Um, so that that battle between the two of them, this whole finding out that Algiata's scheme, that's not the Astrozoan scheme. That is Algiata's. This is the real Algiata. Was the one, or or was it? You know. Could, is is was it the Astrozoans and Captain Ramin was getting catching on to the Astrozoans? Yeah, I will say that in as much as you know, it looked like that communication was not recent. Yeah, so it was most likely the real Algiata was one skimming off the top, and and Ramin had caught it, or you know however that was going to work out. Yeah, but. All right, so then after that, the Grath argument happens. Uh, the Grath argument happens with Nico, and then you guys go talk to Grath for a bit, and then that's when we have a cool little thing. Uh, it's up to you, uh, Kev, if you want to talk about it at all, but there was a moment where Rick notices a picture, and Grath was showing some pictures of Akiton, and then uh, I'm curious, Rick, how you took that. You well, don't yeah, have to so, say anything if you want. but So Rick saw the Yosokis in the background, and noticed the town, the, the image that he saw, he recognized it. Yeah. Um, and it, it cued him in because that is actually, Rick is from Akiton. Um, so he recognized the area where Grath was from and, and knew that location. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Little peek behind the Rick curtain here. So then you guys are leaving, and that's when Song comes up and is like, hey, I really need your help. Because I think. At this point, I'm trying to remember where you guys were. Wait, did when, when did we find the when did we move the bed and find the the grate underneath the bed? That was before we talked to Song. I right? think we went back and did that, right? Yeah, I thought I thought you went back. There. I, yeah, I don't remember. When we went back I think there. you went back there after the fight with Jinchuroga. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, never mind. Disregard so then, what I said. No, it's okay. So then Song comes up and is like, "Hey, I, I really need help." The goblins are attacking me and tearing up the hallway downstairs. So you guys run downstairs. Mm-hmm. And prior to this, you had really only had one engagement with Jinchiroga and the goblins. Well, not one. You you had you had you had, had several, but the last one was in the gym when you guys talked to Jinchiroga and the goblins. And then now suddenly the goblins are like shooting tearing up the hallway. Up. Was that? They were yeah. tearing things up. Yeah, tearing and, and, were and then up. we tried to talk them down, and they. They were not ready to be talked down. And then they had a map on them. They did. On a pillowcase, I think. Yes, yeah, so this were... is that map I was talking about earlier. Yeah, on a pillowcase. Yeah. It was just scribbled on a pillowcase. But it was Stupid it was basically goblins. the layout of the ship, and there were spots and locations that were circled. And each of the locations that were circled coincide with where we found Stardream mm-hmm. indicators. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then and then the goblins were like Tarago's gonna kill you. And then that's when you guys were like, oh shit, we need to go to the bridge. Well, because Jinjarogo's on the bridge trying to take it over. 
Yeah, and I think Nico and I actually wanted to split off and like look right away for like those spots on that pillowcase map, and then we're like, oh, okay, fine. We'll, yeah, we'll help out first. But also, um, I like we're told over and over again not to split the party. Looking back on this. I don't know. Is there ever a good time to split the party down the middle in half? I mean, if you would have split that party and tried to fight Gingeroga, somebody would have died. Uh, someone definitely would have died. I mean, Nico almost already died. Yeah. I think from like battling for sure, it's generally almost never advisable. But um, yeah. for like splitting, I don't know. I was really tempted to in that moment, though. You could have. But yeah, it's not a good idea. I'm never going to tell you not to split the party. <laughs> John, John encourages it. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'm just never going to tell you not 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 to do whatever. That's it. That's okay. It was a fun fight with Jinchiroga, so can't complain. Yeah, yeah, that fight was fun. What what was your thought? Were you expecting that that she was going to go take the bridge, or was this? It seemed like it was a surprise. And then when and then when you opened the door, she actually was like, "Hey, if you want to join me and help take over the bridge, <sighs> yeah. that's fine." See, and again, this is talking like bigger scheme things. Was she a part of this? Was she a distraction of some sort? So, okay, let's... With the goblins, the goblins ended. We we actually kept one alive, and then uh, Nico decided to execute it. I did. He, he yep. did. Uh, just, I wanted Nick to... <laughs> I think after some questions. You wanted <laughs> I just wanted to verify. You uh, wanted on And then... We went to the bridge, and when we opened the door to the bridge, we leveled up. Yep. Level two. Yep. Um, Time slowed down. You guys were like... Energized. And then we stepped into that room, and Ginger Roga was no longer a hobgoblin. She was actually a like werewolf-type creature. Yeah, a creature called a Barghest that has an alternate form as a goblinoid of some sort and then otherwise they are those are cool creatures because one of the things that they can do is they can like almost swallow whole so they can almost like eat somebody and devour somebody in like less than like 10 seconds or something and the point is is that those creatures in their society the more they eat other beings the more they they grow and they get stronger and so some of the older ones are like these huge creatures that have just are like hella powerful anyway so besides that nico almost goes down and then you guys take down jinchiroga and then you talk to the captain well this Probably is, this, the is first time. this is already the, the this is like the first like mind messing situation where jinchiroga is actually a shapeshifter but something we learned i believe because dr ok's skill checks is that jinchiroga can only change into one person Yes. Yep. And life so science. that shapeshift. Yeah. Life science. Hashtag Sorry, life science. Yep. Good. 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 good skill OP skill to have. But it, it really is OP. <laughs> yeah. It's good. So at this point, I believe I was thinking uh, that Gingeroga wasn't the only bearcast on board. Barcast, yeah. And that I I thought that Keeve was also a barcast, and that we would go down there, and Keeve would have time to devour all these other passengers on board, mm. and we would have to fight a giant werewolf creature thing. I think then you were still suspicious of Lozu because you had the four LP ship repairs, which yep. that was literally just that. I think when you confronted her about it, she was like, "I have a gambling problem, and I had to borrow money, and Algiata paid me back with money that was meant for ship repairs." 
Yep. And and we didn't really get much from the captain during this. Um, nope. And then the captain decided to go to his room. Yep. And Grath took him there. Yep. And the next time we found the captain, he well, was before dead. we get there, there was one other Spoiler thing. Alert. The captain's dead. The captain's dead. Well, he was dead before uh, that, right? We don't know. We, we don't, don't know. We don't know when the captain was dead. Uh, well, here's something. I think at that point, Will, do you want to say anything about one of the yeah the one of the things boosters? That we learned, yeah, one of the other like moments for Doctor OK was I think I I don't remember exactly how you said it, John, and I wanted actually to clarify if you could like what about that medic pack that I recognized that was like peculiar to me that seemed glitchy the diorama yeah so the is it like the chemical like i think what i imagined was like it was somehow linked to my 24-hour flashback yeah right where like the name on the on the mark one healing serum was diorama on the actual injectable itself but the injectable is like exactly my stuff or is it like no it wasn't necessarily that it was just that the name on the injectable was Diorama, and that was the same name that was on some of the boxes that were on Javon when you were there with, with Dr. Bouchakis. Right, but I don't know anything about that name apart from that. I don't think so, no. Okay. We you know they're connected, is what we know, do know. But it, I know that that med pack effectively originated... From that moment in time. For the audience, John is shrugging. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. So, layer of plot armor there for now. Okay, what I wanted to know is, like, do I look at the chemicals that were made? And, like, do I see, like, oh, this this was, you know, produced by this process uh, that I know specifically only appears in the university that I, you know, work at? I think if you wanted to do that, I, I... I think you still have some more of those Mark One healing serums. Yeah, because there were some in uh, Professor Benjamin's room okay, okay. when, when so you guys I were could. leaving. So you could do that. You could take a look at the compound. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. And at then, some point. yeah. And then you guys. Right now. Right now, <laughs> let's play. Right now, let's <laughs> roll out that whole scene. Uh, this is kind of the point where you guys started to like, like things started to really escalate if they hadn't already because now you guys are like all right let's follow the map that's when you go back to algiata's room and you find the grape with the weird sticky substance that's when you go was looking the, was algiata's room highlighted on the map i think it was yeah i thought or am I, if if it wasn't you guys went back in for some reason i can't remember what that was but that's when you found the the grape yeah, we pulled apart that we pulled open the bed and underneath the bed there was a grate that was too small for any like normal sized person to go through. Yep. And it had like a slime to it. And it was um, a very small mm-hmm. grate. It was like what, like six inches by a foot. Yeah. Made uh, and so I Yeah, and we were I think like, we did some checks on it, right? Yeah, and we determined yeah. that some compressible creature mm-hmm. like could have made it. Could yep. could manipulate himself or herself through said grid. Mm-hmm. And then you followed all the other circles on the map, and that, and there were a couple in the engineering lower section. There was one right. like up in the computer bank area. There was actually one nearer where Keeve, I think, was working. There was one over in the opposite side, and that's when 
you all started to go down there and look around. And that's when you split the party, actually, if I remember right. A little bit. Well, you're like, yeah. I mean, like the next room over. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But you're still splitting, splitting even the party. Even that could be dangerous. And yeah. it, I think it was more, yeah, and it, it, got, it got pretty close. So we got down there. We were following the map. We checked all the locations. Um, and when we got down there, basically the party split because uh nico and hears were interested in the locations on the map because they thought it would be something you know lucrative mm. and rick's motivations at that time was just to clear the room there's something dangerous um and he doesn't want something to pop out at them and so that's where the party split was the two of them were like well we're gonna go check it out and Rick was like well i'm gonna go clear the rest of this area and so when we cleared the rest of that area two things happened and so for for rick and dr okay we found this other door and I'll pause it there. Yep. And then Kelly, go ahead. Tell us what happened with you and Nico. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. We found this. Um, I think we were, we heard something drop behind us and then we looked around and there was this figure of a rocket ship and we inspected it closer and there was this blood on it. Uh, and we saw that it came from the grate up there. I cast some kind of like light spell to see if we could see something. We saw slime up there. So similar to what was kind of climbing through into Algiata's room. Um, and then we showed it to you guys. And at some point we found the body of the captain. Maybe he dropped. No, we didn't. Well. So we didn't find the body. We found the we found the idol with the blood on it. Right, but we found the body that's, shortly that's the after, ship. right? In the other cargo yeah. bay, the port one, perhaps. That's, yeah, so in the that's secret when... cargo bay. Yeah, and and if you had gone to look at in the captain's room, mm-hmm. you would have found on his desk, a, a, like the desk would have been maybe a little dusty, but there would have been a circle oh. that fits the perfect size of that statue, which is the statue of the Idari, which is the Kasathan like generational ship that is yeah. uh, technically you know part of the Pack Worlds. Um, and so that's 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 what you guys would have found among other things if you had gone to look at the captain's room. <laughs> See, that's it. That's well it. Well played, Will. Well played. Uh, oh, so at that point, you guys came over and joined us and said, "Hey, we found." Uh, we, we went back, I think, because we heard the noise and we cleared it out the area and s- said there were no hostiles. Um, and so then we told you about the door, and you guys came and helped us hack the door open. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that door was actually a like secret door that hadn't wasn't very apparent, right? Yeah, it was hidden. And I think at some point, I think Grath had mentioned that the captain had a kind of a shady past as well. And yeah. so I remember here as being like, wait, what? And like when, when <laughs> Grath mentioned that. And that room was a place where they would keep any sort of illicit goods or people or something. But when you went in there, that's when you found the body of Captain mm-hmm. Ramin. Yeah, so this kind of distracted us from pursuing our... Because our half our goal was to find Keevedown in the engine bay. Because one of the... And also because the other part of the engine room had a circle around it. So we were also going to inspect that location. But this kind of distracted us. And so we opened up that door. We go inside. We find the dead Captain Ramim. Uh, and thanks to another life science check, we know that he is, in fact, a Kasathan uh, and not whatever shapeshifter is there. And this, but we had indication that there was shapeshifters, right? At this point, we knew. I think it was at that point when you all were like, wait a minute, who is the Captain Marine that we saw? 
Yeah. I'm really surprised then, we didn't do a medical check on him to see how long he was dead. That would have helped with I that. I thought that you did. We did. Yeah, we did. And he had been. Had also he had died within the past day, I think, right? He had died with. He had died within the like less time than the last time we had seen the captain. Oh, that's right. Yep. Even yeah, after which the means that the fight. Also, so, so, I yeah. have a bone to pick about this too. Yeah. Okay. So, Trostnik was a uh, Astrozone the whole time, right? Uh, yeah, I think that was confirmed at the very end. And just a quick note of quick point of comparison. I think what I told you about the Captain Ramim was that he had been dead long and like within the past like 12 hours or something so essentially long enough for you guys like like not long enough of like several days so like after you guys have boarded but after or uh before the fight with Jinchiro. so the one so, so the, the captain, captain on there was not the was not the real captain that was shit which is why you yeah. guys were like wait a minute who was the captain that we just saw yeah yeah and that's our first cue there were shapeshifters and we had just interacted with a shapeshifter the bar cast right and yeah and then you were like oh wait was the captain also a shapeshifter will what's your bone to pick so part of the biohacker class is you have equipment for a custom micro lab yeah and i had attuned my micro lab i thought to astrozoan right so I would be not, able to... Not yet, though. Did you? Yeah. Because oh, I tuned into Trostenek. But it was right after you found the body that Trostenek was like, hey, what's up? What, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, you hadn't attuned it yet because we didn't we didn't even okay. know what Astrozones were at that point. Okay. Yeah. And even if you had gone and checked the Captain Ramin's body, it would have still just come up Kasatha. No, but the other Astrozone, any other Astrozones, I would have... like. The, yeah, we, had, we hadn't run into Astrozones yet. Cause yeah, no, you hadn't run into Astrozones. Because while we were inspecting that room, there was like the crate or whatever that was actually the access later on. Um, and Rick had taken Sentry and you guys were off exploring. That's when Trustnet came into the room. No, it was when you you were all in there at that point when Trustnet. Yeah, yeah, came yeah. In. But like the the, th- the three of them were like looking at something oh, around yeah. that corner. Yeah, that's true. And, and Rick was like, well, I'm going to stand guard because I don't trust anything going on right now. Yeah. And that's when the door opens up and Trustnet walks in to this super secret room. But that I will we find say, the dead captain. But I will say that there were opportunities if you guys wanted to talk to the captain on the bridge more. The captain at who was on the bridge, you know, likely Astro's own captain had their own motivations but if you guys like like there were opportunities there for you guys to find out more and possibly question whether that was the real captain there so that could have been you know well and that's and that's something again with like my my initial response and and we could talk about since it is plot armor uh there was this incident during this uh interaction that trustnik walks through that door and I, as a player, recognized that there was something wrong with him being in the room with the dead captain. Um, I didn't know yet that it was an Astrozoan, but I did know that Trustnik was the bad guy. Um, and so my initial response as Rick was to shoot him. <laughs> so, and I, I'm not sure how oh, yeah. uh, how we finally edited it out, um, 
I think in game we just stopped because I was worried that I had communicated the wrong idea to you and I didn't know if you were misunderstanding or if I had just done a bad job of saying whatever it was and I forget what it was exactly but I was like wait let's just rewind the tape if that's okay and make sure you understand and then once you understood you were like okay then I won't shoot although you did end up just shooting anyway yeah yeah I should have just I should have just shot you should have just, just, just I was right it. I should have shot him back in the cargo yeah. bay yeah. the cargo bay <laughs> Um, in the starboard cargo bay, uh, but after so- <laughs> we after the fight with with uh, Trust Nick, because um, he does he does actually indicate that he is not the real Trust Nick, and that he was there for you know shady reasons, and he actually draws and fires on us first. Um, we end up killing him, and when he dies, he transforms into a giant starfish. Yep, Astrozone. That was the first time that we saw an Astrozoan, and that was after a life science check that that Doctor OK recognized it was Astrozoan. Yep. But, and then at that point, the Astrozoan wasn't quite dead though, and so we put it in a box again. <laughs> and then you, and, and then you did kill it though. And then you well, did kill well, them. Who, who? Let's clarify this. Who killed? I think I the stabbed. Him. I killed him. Oh yeah, you did. Right, right. The murder him. bot allowed the other guy to kill him. Yep. Yep. Are you trying to make the case um, that you're not that? That's what you're I think. Right now. I think Kev's got some uh, some other agenda that. here with his plot armor episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then Get on that's your when you guys, box, Rick. That's fine. And then that's when you guys were like, "All right, let's explore this uh, secret shaft mm. that goes up." Yeah. And then that I think was the first time when you go up. There are three possible ways to leave the shaft from the bottom and there was two doors in the mid-level and one hatch at the top and I can tell you guys that the hatch actually would have gone up to the bridge so if you guys had 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 hit the right notes on the bridge for perception figuring some things out you would have been like oh the captain's chair swivels and then you open up the hatch uh, to go into the shaft and then I think that was when you guys were like okay well, if we go into the left door or the right door, which one? And then you go into the right door, and that's the starboard cargo bay. Uh, and then that's when you meet. The, the only cargo bay. I will say this. There is a point where I will tell you why. Uh, to clear my name, I genuinely didn't try and keep you guys from that cargo bay. I can tell you guys at a certain point later. I don't know if it's at the end of book two, three, four, five, six. I can tell you guys what would have happened if you if if you had known apparently that there was and I had been uh, if that was very clear I can tell you guys what would have happened and you would have been like oh okay cool yeah th- but at this point in the game there were two options and we literally rolled a dice for it and said you know flipped a coin let's go to the right and we ended up going to the right um, but we do know we we short very quickly after that go to the port cargo bay and that would have just happened sooner because what the events that happened in that cargo bay, when we get there, we're already in motion when we went to the starboard cargo bay the second time. So we kick down that cargo bay. We open the door, we go in and this is fun for here's who do we run into here's is this where we run into a beautiful bearded woman dwarf who like, accuses me of destroying her entire family basically and yep. is like here's you murdered everyone and then here's is like I have my no husband idea Godwin what you're about. yeah and my son Godwin the second and myself Godwina yes yeah exactly 
But they were pirates. Awkward moment. We, the, was she a pirate, though? Oh, yeah, I guess she was. She, she was. Yeah. She was part of the Starfishers. Oh, that was incredibly confusing. But then I was told that I did not, in fact, murder her family. And that the idea was planted into her head. Which, or hopefully that's the case. Yeah, programmed. <laughs> so a short fight ensues. We end up fighting. Uh, there was Godwina, the, the dwarf. Yep. And then, uh, and then Sabrina. There was, Sabrina, the redheaded human. And then the Vesk. Um, and then the Vesk. Uh, I think Rick killed the Vesk with a super shot charged up by Hears. Thank you, Hears. Yeah. Um, Classic tactic. I love that. Uh, and then we took down the other two um, non lethally. Uh, yeah. So after after we took them, we took actually took them kind of prisoner and used them as shields. <laughs> this, this whole fight was just insane. Very smart tactic. <laughs> Yeah, so at this point, like the the ship was definitely under siege by a group of pirates known as the Starfishers. And you had heard this when you were in the secret shaft. You heard the boom of them breaching the doors above you. Yeah, and and something that came up in our conversations with Godwina and Sabrina was that there were three Starfishers on, or three Astrozoans within the Starfishers. But they weren't considered starfishers. They weren't actually a part of the pirate group. They were like d- a, a detached, you know, they weren't accepted as starfishers. They were like the, the new guys, the rookies. Um, but two of them had been on board the whole time. The third one came on board with them. And we got their names. Uh, I forget what they are. Puck and something else. Or- <laughs> yeah, it was Cub and Cub. Wem. And, Wem. and uh, what was the last one? Uh, Josh. Yep. Yep, Josh. You nailed it. You got it. <laughs> yeah. And then I think you guys go and you actually, you heard a boom, or sorry, a banging from the gym next door. Mm-hmm. Yox. Yox was the Yox. other. Yox. Thank you. Yes, yes. So we heard banging through the door. Uh, we should have just gone back through through that shaft, um, but we chose to go around. Yeah, I didn't think about that at the time. Hindsight being 2020. Um so we end up, but on our way though, um, we so we take Godwina and we take Sabrina, and we get around to the gym, and when we get to the gym, we look through the door and we see a dual lozu, dual lozu, dual lozu. Yeah, that was another fun moment um, and a frustrating fight. Super frustrating. Yeah, let's hear about because grenades are stupid and the clone tool yep, is dumb. Mirror image. The holographic You just clone. need the grenade feet is what you need, man. Well, and grenade you can also mastery. Throw, well, let's, okay, let's roll back a little bit. So we see the two Lozus in the room. Uh, we open the door. I actually push Sabrina down on her knees and use her as a shield um, and as we like get into a standoff with these two Lozus. And it comes down to that game of like who's the real Lozu because one of these is the real Lozu, one of them's not. Um, but it was pretty easy to recognize because – one of them was in like a pilot gear. Yep. And the other one was in regular clothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had found a grenade and, you know, we went through the whole argument of how grenades work. One thing we have learned about grenades is that you can throw them further just with a, a penalty. And so you're less, less accurate to throw it. Um, so that would have helped. Makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. And you grenades can, too. And you can also like, there's different, things you can do as a character and different classes that have grenade like yeah yeah but exactly like we don't tweets. have those options at this level so right um 
But the problem, the biggest problem with the grenade in the end of scheme of things was that it wouldn't have done what we thought it would have done in the first place. So what happened is that <laughs> out of the two Lozus, they multiplied into seven. Uh, I think it was five. 16. There were 16 yep. Lozus yep. all standing there uh, because the, the bad Lozu, which turned out to be an Astrozoan. There was an infinite series of Lozus. Yep. And, yep. And but Lozus. they were seemingly not because they couldn't be killed by a grenade. Well, they couldn't be hit by any area damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So grenade would have been useless anyways. Uh, that battle was frustrating. We got through it. Um, we saved real Lozu and we Godwina, I think, tried to escape or at no, some point. Or no, we didn't save yeah, the real did. Lozu. Well, you did, but then she we got did. knocked out from her own Lozu. failure. And then um, then we had a little bit of a dark moment there from Nico. Yep. You want to elaborate? Where, uh, as we're getting ready to leave, Nico was just kind of along the lines of, well, there are two things here. One, Nico's on the run. So he doesn't want anybody being able to come back and tell a tale where he was at or where he is now. Um, take no pr- prisoners kind of mindset from Nico. The crew was getting ready to leave. Nico was going to go execute the prisoners. And then Lozu, in her moment, her climax, I think, of transitioning into the confident leader that she is, said, hold up, mm-hmm. let's just tie them up. No, so, I mean, going forward in the story, that I think it's a cool plot moment to remind the listeners of, like, that's something that's going on in Nico. He's definitely having a struggle between light and dark morality and just kind of survival by any means meth- uh, by any means necessary. And that's, I mean, that's fair. I think because like even even Rick being like the lawful good, not murder bot, um, at that point was like, well, we can't just leave these prisoners behind us because they've already tried to escape multiple times, and anytime you leave somebody alive behind you, they end up coming back to hurt you. Um, and then that's why Lozu said, well, let's just knock him out and lock the door. And that's what we did. So right after that fight, we locked the doors. Our next mission, we know now that, that, that there's something going on in the cargo bay, the other cargo bay, the port cargo bay, the second cargo bay. Where you could have gone from the beginning. <laughs> and so we move into that second cargo bay. And who do we find? We find yeah. Algiada. And right. then yeah. she pleaded for your help saying you know the captain is a shape changer well that's so that's the thing we opened that door and we found the cargo box that we were expecting where the relic we were told the relic is is this large cargo box whatever it was had all the indications of of that the door was broken off you know blown off or torched off or whatever the case is split right open and algiata was like halfway in there and so we get into a standoff because again we're down to that that situation of is this the real Algiata? Is it a? Is it an imposter? Is the real Algiata the bad guy? Like there were a lot of questions going on, and there was no trust. No. And right as I was about to trust her, Doctor Okay finds pirates. Yep. Do you remember that, Doctor Okay? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so that's the- Billy the pirate, days away from retirement. Billy, oh poor Billy, he was about to retire. Yeah. What yeah. did I say to Billy? I don't remember. All sorts of shit. (laughs) (laughs) All sorts of things. (laughs) It was amazing. Hey, how are you doing? Just you should just quit. Go home. And he was like, Yeah, I'm trying to retire, man. It's my last life. Yeah. Reconsider your decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to go home and rethink your life. 
But that triggered it. So we know now that like this this isn't this isn't Algiata, or if it is Algiata, she's you know working with these pirates. And so Algiata actually attacks us. Indeed. A fight ensues. Uh we the real Lozu helps us out, the quote unquote real Lozu. And after that fight, um I forget if we killed Algiata or not. Yes, you did. I think she killed got, it was so Algiata got killed. The second pirate that oh, Billy died. Rest in peace. Yep. Um and then the the second pirate, known as Second Pirate, uh, she she actually puts up her hands and, and surrenders. Uh, surrenders. And so, but during that, we start to break down. And we, you, what did you find inside the box? Here's so What's first, I went in there in the and then I the found box? a bag and a box. So, oh no, maybe it was the box. Sorry, inside there was a bag, and there was a really awesome a Pokemon basically Pokemon. Super cool. Who was some incredible creature that all... Anyway, it has amazing stats and does cool shit. So, pick that up and then there was one more thing. Just a bunch of awesome stuff inside. The bag... Oh, there was the a gem had, like, that unlimited grows. stuff in the bag or something like that, if I remember. Well, there's yeah. the, the backpack that had the extra space in oh, it. Oh, that's the what Star it was. Starfinder bag. Yeah. Starfinder bag. Also, thank you very much. Also, the most important thing that was in that bag, Kelly... Was something that glowed around you specifically. That was no, in the that box was... uh, inside the, the crate. No, next to the bag. Well, that was no. Kelly Kelly's yeah, yeah, yeah. artifact that he got from Rolu in the beginning. <laughs> oh, right, right, in the right. very beginning, yes. the relic responded basically. to the relic yeah. that was in the box. Ah, that's right. That was the end of that episode. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, someone took the relic, and then I don't think any of you speak Aklo yet, but somebody did a culture check we did to yeah. interpret it I think, I think that was me yeah Nico Nico was able to decipher it yeah do you remember what it says uh not offhand now I'd have to double check Wasn't it but some... I mean oh yeah it was just a message to like one said... of the players or whatever don't let them find out or some nonsense like that the relic has been removed oh. please reinstall soon oh, that's what it was. is that right yeah that's roughly what it was. yeah it sounds right yeah a rough translation based on oh, your man. skills so I guess, oh, also funny to point out, when we come to the final fight here on this map, what does Hears do? He abandons us and goes into the locker okay. and starts examining the loot first. I should say, <laughs> hold on, wait, 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 wait. I should say this, because I probably didn't say it at the time, but my, I was thinking, look, I'm out of spells. We didn't rest in forever. I was just bone drive everything. So That's then, true. He was just trying to protect I was I, almost dead. No, 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 no. I wasn't trying to protect <laughs> myself. I was thinking this is like a total, like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to see if there's anything I can use to attack with it in, in here. Oh, you're calling it a Hail Mary. That's what it was. Which it did, it, it, it really it did was, help. Yeah. It, the yeah. well, I mean, it was it, a Jack Sparrow moment. That is, I swear to God, what I was trying to do. And then, but it wasn't even necessary anyway, because even when the Pokemon came out, you guys pretty much iced everyone else so it was fine (laughs) but here's here's another but here's another glitch moment um that i don't know if any of us really picked it up at the time um we picked up the radio from one of the pirates Uh and the radios we 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 did a device check on it and the interface looked normal but there was it was only the front interface and there was the it was a dummy interface it didn't actually work and we were told that it would work, you know, inner inner drift communication, blah blah blah, but it didn't actually do any of that. It was it was a a gimmick. It was a um, a prop. Yep. Yeah. Is that right, John? 
Well, I'm not going to say whether it was a gimmick or a prop, but I will say that it didn't do the things that it seemed like it was supposed to do. Well, it, it was a prop. Uh, <laughs> which that that's for for Kevin. That's indication that the the pirates are a part of the the bigger the simulation. Joke. Some yeah. What are your thoughts about the relic itself? Oh man, I mean, <sighs> based on some internal discussions outside of this, not not everybody in this group being privy to it. I have some theories that I can't mention, but like um. You can't yeah, mention, hope, but in lar- in large part, hopefully Wait, something you, that will you help me get back. You have your own plot armor. Out. Is that what you're saying? What? It was just a based on a conversation you, Nick, and I had. I'm not saying it is that, but I'm saying it could be question mark that. All it right, could be. Right. It could be what you don't you don't want to share. I don't know. I don't think we should say because. But now the way that you're reacting makes me think it might not be. We'll bring it up later, but um. Well, no. Now I'm curious. So the relic, the relic said it's been removed. Please install. Oh well, um, yeah. At, what happened? And what happened to the ship? Because at this, at some point, the ship starts to shake and rattle and yep. making noises. Like it's it's collapsing. Yeah, giant explosions. Um, and we thought the ship was just like under attack or it was being you know destroyed. Um, but now that's making me think, if the relic was actually like like the the mainframe or program or mm. whatever i think it, and so when you pulled that out that caused the ship to. i collapse. think it was um in reality yeah that but i'm wondering why the hell the thing that rolu gave me glowed near it then or where it was that's well that we will find out crazy. i'm sure in the future what if Rolu yeah. is i think you'll find out yeah look i'll, I'll say mm, this could it be next time on <laughs> will save uh, you still my line there will i so kind ship- of starts to collapse go ahead Oh, well, yeah. Uh, as Kelly was, or as Kevin was going to start to say, the ship starts to collapse. We run through a boatload of obstacles, try to find an escape pod. We try to find the dock ship, see if we can hijack that and escape because the ship systems are failing. But before that even happened, we had another glitch happen to us in that same cargo bay with the relic. Oh, everybody starts to die simultaneously. Everybody dies. Yeah. They just without explanation. Place. The other pirate. Lozu, uh, yeah, Crazy. like and they, they were, were unplugged dead, from right? the matrix. We did, we did life life science checks on them, and they were actually dead. They were deceased. Yeah. Which the question is, were they ever? Alive? Were they biological? We did find that out, right? Like actual yep. people. Yep, they were. Oh uh, well, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So the ship starts to collapse. We end up, you know, we leave that room. We run down the hallways. Uh, we're splitting into different directions because uh, it's just chaos, right? Like the ship is blowing up. Um, Nick actually goes off. Nico goes off to try to find an escape pod one way, and Rick goes down the other hall to rescue Professor Benjamin. Well, Nick and I are, and that yeah start looking for the ship. Yeah, you saw Professor Benjamin in the hall, and so as Rick is trying to save Professor Benjamin, he's too far gone. His last dying words: "My heart will never come, come home." home. Which... Yeah, and, and Rick had no idea what that meant. And so he's like, I don't know. He said something. This is what he said. And you guys are like, ah. You, and then was, which, you stopped uh, in yeah. your tracks. Yeah. Pirate and then I was like, bullshit. Nick, try to find the ship. I got to find out. And then yeah. like ran back. He was dead. So it's like, damn it. Searched his person. It's like there a secret code much. in a song. Which, yeah. Is that what it is? Ex- explanation. We have, so, we have stuff planned for this. Just patience well, will mean, be required. See, Again, I mean, this is having me question. This is thoughts I'm having right now because I wasn't making these connections until we had this discussion. Yeah. The relic. The whole time, Professor Benjamin was telling us to find that relic. Was he? Because he was actually just trying to tell you to find Algiata Eom. 
No, he's telling he us to find the relic. He was worried about the relic. He told us to find the relic. No, wait, go, hold on. Go he back was, and listen, no, no, no. John. He was telling us to go find. He was telling us to go find Algiata because he was afraid that Algiata was going to go steal the relic. It was our yeah, or it was our assumption that we thought because Algiata was missing, she was going to go steal it. So we were going to go steal it first and protect it. Oh, Benjamin. But what if the relic? I mean that. So that means that Professor Benjamin's not a part of the simulation. I'll say this. Don't forget what the relic said. Yeah. To put it back. <laughs> Reinstall it. Which it's is kind of interesting. But it's the in and module. of itself. Perhaps if you take Aklo, you should retranslate the message. It's it's interesting. Oh, so yeah. um I think the best thing to do at this point is we we finish off the story here, we let we jump over the fire, and we get in the escape pods, and we blast off. And as we blast off, we see that we're not a ship really in space. We're a ship kind of connected to all these tubes that's blowing up. And it's like a simulation that's going kind of faulty. But we find ourselves in a big, big room. And that's kind of where we end ourselves here. So here's the secret sauce is that not only is the ship blowing up, but the vast chamber around it is also falling apart. There are screens that are displaying images of space. These screens are busted, right? And you can only see three of the walls. The fourth wall is just darkness. And so your escape pods jettison off into that abyss. And it's uh, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy for sure. But- so last question here as we come to the end of our arbitrarily timed bonus episode. In as few words as possible, or just quickly here, what did you think of book one? Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it as a player? You know, were there things about it that you wish were different? What are your thoughts? What I feel about book one is that I'm going to enjoy it a lot better after we played book two. That much I am absolutely 100% positive of. Did Did you enjoy it while you were playing it? Yeah. It took a li- it took a little <laughs> bit to get into, but you know what? I did you enjoy can say it. By no, the end. no, no, no. I'm giving you my honest reaction. It took a while to get into it, and John, you and I had our conversations like like in the first ten episodes how I was feeling about the book, but by the end, it really felt like everything started speeding up to actually. Oh wow, okay, there's something really screwed up here. Yep. Now we're really going to get into the weeds of it. And I feel after book two, all of us are going to achieve a level of clarity that's going to make us look back on book one. And we're going to be like, oh, my God. I mean, that's how I feel looking back on like episode one with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much. And it's that's one of my things with book one is there's so much more we could have explored. Like we never got to talk to Keeve. We never got to talk to Dr. Benjamin. But all these events start rolling and it's kind of bittersweet because like that 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 intensity that like that rush of like we have to move on and discover this before something else happens and something else happens um but at the same time we didn't have enough time to explore and that's kind of like my my video game background like i i walk rooms from left to right and want to look at everything and explore check all the loot and all that stuff and i Mm -hmm. you don't have that opportunity in this game which i think is good i think that that really is part of like good storytelling well you also have to balance you have to balance like your time and your resources right mm-hmm. like as yeah. a group because you could yeah. be somewhere all day and then be missing something behind you i like i like yeah i'm like kevin where i'm a completionist with video games and like it's um this was this was a little bit frustrating for that reason but it is kind of cool that you have to like balance it so it 
it's like I have regret for it, but at the same time, it's kind of awesome because like, I'm like, oh, wow, what if I did this? What if I did that? Your choices really are time sensitive and they matter a lot and a lot more than our D&D campaign. I feel that about this. And even in spite of the fact that you're in a small space, it's so fast paced, which was awesome. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And imagine, too, that you didn't go to investigate Algiata's room and instead he said, hey, let's go check on let's go check on Keeve. Imagine how mm-hmm. differently the story would have developed. Well, that's what I was going to say because, like, John's actually talked to other GMs that have, have run the threefold conspiracy or, or is running, they are running, whatever. Um, and they've gotten through book one, and the way that their book one went was completely different than the way that we played it. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's totally different because I've heard stories where other players will bring NPCs into a room and then they'll investigate mm-hmm. and then they'll do all these other things. And honestly, I have to credit the incredible writers at Paizo and Jason Keeley for essentially saying, hey, this is a sandbox. Here are the pieces that you need to have your players enjoy a great experience and really dig into this game and get into the mystery. And Nick brings up a good perspective, which is that sometimes, you know, each each book and adventure has its own cadence, its own pace. And so you as the player, you might feel immersed immediately. It might take you time to get into it. But as a GM, you can you can customize this already great structure and story. You can customize it in little ways. So, for instance, the inciting incident with Magua and LaRue, you know, I wrote that in. So then that way you guys could have sort of a climactic beginning to bring you in. Anyway, let's wrap up. Kelly, Will, what are your thoughts? It's great. For sure. Yeah. Super fun. I Uh, love the mystery. Yeah, it was fun yeah. getting to know all the different uh, parts of this mystery. All the, the like the moving parts behind it are still yet to be revealed, but like the you know the cogs, so to speak, the little little samples here and there throughout were really fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really like that uh, that pace a lot. That that element of this for sure. Yeah, I think two two things I'd like to bring up. Um, was the fact that we never used dark vision, and I know John's like, oh, we'll use it in the, f- the future. Um, but like the fact that ship went dark, I think we could have played into the mystery a little bit more. Um, I would have only really limited Nico because I think he's the only one that doesn't have dark vision. I think it, it would have just changed a little bit of the the atmosphere. I think to have to like work with that. Um, and then the other thing was, and we've talked about this, is that that final scene where we're running out of the ship. Um, if we could have done that in like role play. It would be, you know, take turns initiative. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think those are things that we will bring up next time. Until then, this is the end. Nick, the music started. You want to take us out? Find out what happens next time on Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Bye, everyone. Great outro.